to Geek Actually, episode 12. Yes, we were supposed to be here last week, but we weren't. <laughs> we couldn't make it. <laughs> no, we couldn't. Life got in the way, as we like to say, but we're here now. And it's a sad day, in a way, because uh, this past weekend we recorded the 150th Behind the Panels, which mm-hmm. was a celebration and a sadness, all in one there were too many Sweet, complex really? emotions. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought we'd better get together and just have a giggle because uh, it's a bit sad. So as for those who have been living under a rock and uh, had only listened to uh, this show, Behind the Panels had its 150th and has now gone on hiatus for the rest of the year, basically, mm. with a few specials here and there, just so that we can catch up on a few things, or so the story goes. Uh, and <laughs> my name is David McVeigh, and I'm joined in the studio by Dave Longo. How are you, Dave? I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm good. So it's been, it feels like it's been forever since been, we've done this. It's been at least 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> but, Dave, we are not alone. No, there's you a, may there have is noticed, another. You may have noticed an, that there, there is, is somebody- an odd emotion in this room. <laughs> An odd a, emotion? <laughs> there, is a, there is a new feeling. There's a new there, feeling, there, and that yeah. feeling would be named Jamie Lawrence. How are you, Jamie? I am ready to talk nonsense for an hour. Excellent. <laughs> it's the only kind of talk we like. Jamie Lawrence is the proprietor of Good Games Hurstville and the sponsor of our network. How are you, Jamie? <laughs> um, I, I'm sponsorific. I, I, brought some, <laughs> I brought some more stuff for you to give away. But more important than being a sponsor, Jamie Lawrence is a complete geek. And so he is here. We're That's- shaming you now, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> you don't come on this show unless you're a complete geek. I, I prefer the term refined nerd. Thank you very refined much. Refined or <laughs> you know, I still can't believe it's Jamie's first time in this studio. I know he's a he's yeah. a studio version. It's a very version. cool studio. Yeah. The rest of you have to get here sometime. Yeah. We're surrounded by toys, so it's cool. <laughs> and <laughs> books have, and DVDs. Books and DVDs. There have been pictures of this studio up on Facebook. So if you ever want to see mm. what so we're talking about, you can yeah. find those on although it's a little bit messier than it was in those pictures. You could you could pull up the 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 image now and you could pretend that you're here with us. You could. Yeah. That's creepy. Hey, there's a fourth that's chair that's empty right now. We could pretend that there's other people here. With I us. could just jump between the two mics and say, yeah, talk to myself. We should, how are you, Dave? <laughs> we should take a photo of ourselves all, you know, like thumbs upping and pointing at the uh, at the fourth chair. Yeah. And then yeah. everyone can imagine that they're there. No, it'll be like those behind the scenes shots of directors on movie sets where they're just pointing <laughs> off. You know, like, the, like that's what a director does. Just over there. I was thinking of it more like the, the end of a sitcom where everyone's laughing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, freeze frame. <laughs> now, we should stress, uh, because every podcast is somebody's first podcast, and if you're just joining us, you're going, what the hell have I got myself into? This is the Geek Actually podcast. This is where it's a podcast basically about uh, kind of everything and kind of nothing and everything in between, because we're just filtering mm. it through a geek's perspective, and there's really no rules. No. Uh, we kind of chit-chat about you know things we've done, we've watched, we've played, we've gamed, we've whatever, and then we end the show with a film review. And this week, of course, is going to be Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, so yes. we'll come back to that a little bit later. Spoilers. Also, <laughs> there will probably be a spoiler section at the end of the show as usual. Now, the other thing we will say is that this week is slightly different because a certain trailer launched this uh, last week and we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week. So we're going to talk about it this week. We'll, we'll surprise you a little bit about what's coming up. But basically mm-hmm. Comic-Con... Uh, delivered this panel and we all got very, very excited. Yes. So we want to talk a little bit more about it and all I'll do is hint it and say... We nearly died. Mr. Campbell. Okay, mm-hmm. and that's all I will say about that for the moment. First, though, let's talk a little bit about what we've been, you know, watching, reading, what have you. And I have a theme for this now, Dave. Ready? How about this one? Ready? We're going to go this. I can't watch this. I can't watch this. I can't watch this. I can't watch this. My, my, 
my can't watch my this. TV makes me so bored, makes me say, oh my lord, what is this garbage here? Wanna cover my eyes? There you go. Is that Weird Al? <laughs> yes. That does tie in oddly to what we've been watching. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm, we're gonna we're gonna start with our guest because he is a first time mm-hmm. uh, newbie virgin in here, and <laughs> and and I think it's only appropriate that Jamie kicks us off by saying, well, Jamie, "What have you been up to for the last? Uh, well, for you ever? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what you've watched. Would your you like? Would you like life. the whole life story? <laughs> or? Start at the first film and just work your way through it. Right? No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, first, first. Let's film. restrict ourselves to the last ten days. How's that sound? Oh, I was so go starting from first film I ever saw at the cinema was Return of the Jedi. I was going. I thought that was a good start. Wow, that's fantastic. Do you know what my first film was at the cinema? <laughs> I, I will stress for the record, I'm old, right? And my, my first film at the cinema. Oh. My first film at the cinema was American Graffiti. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good pedigree. Yeah, that that in Westworld, like I, because it was so long ago, I can't remember which one was first, mm. but it was one of those two. Was the first film I saw at the cinema. So yeah, there, right. Yeah. Um, well, but the yeah. last 10 days, last 10 days, what have I been reading and watching and listening to and doing in general? Um, and not fierce masturbation. Okay? We're, not, we're, not, we're, we're not going into that area. Okay? <laughs> we'll, uh, yeah, okay. Well, well now well, I can't now, talk about that. That, that just, yeah, 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 just give me five minutes to think about it now. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Almighty Johnsons has yeah, been. Well, I'll speak <laughs> 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 it's had a lot of my attention recently. Um, it's uh, it's a, a New Zealand show. It's very cool. It's about uh, Norse gods reincarnating as New Zealand lads, basically. Mm. And yeah, <laughs> really, really good. Oh, I'm in. I'm going to go see that. <laughs> yeah, it's on Netflix, three seasons worth, and I'm up to about episode six and loving it. Fantastic. Um, one of these one of these guys. He's just turned 21 and has discovered that he is supposed to be the re-embodiment of Odin. Uh, and... <laughs> And he will get all of his magical powers once he can find Frigg and and get it on with her. Basically, mm-hmm. that sounds <laughs> so, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, it's an insanely sexy little show, um, and just really good geeky stuff. You had me at insanely sexy. It it kind of disappoints me that that we're not making genre stuff like that in Australia, and the Kiwis are. Mm. Um, ah, but to quote yeah. the head of the F, uh, the FFC, no, the F, the AFC. What was it? The Film Finance Corporation, FFC. To to quote the head of the FFC. In 1990, I think it was about 91 or 92, he actually said point blank, because I asked that question, that exact question, in fact, and he actually said, oh, we don't make genre films in Australia, we make Australian films. Mm. <laughs> that was his exact answer. Because that is a genre. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, apparently, can, apparently Australian films is a genre. I love the way that, you know, you, you can always tell you're watching an Australian film and that didgeridoo fires. <laughs> <laughs> I saw an Australian film at the Sydney Film Festival, I saw a few of them, and I saw this one, Strangerland, with Nicole Kidman, Hugo Weaving, and it's... Awesome thriller film where it's like her her children get they disappear and, she, and it's her trying to find her children. Really like classic like thriller did Hugo kind Weaving of film. eat them? No, no, I don't want to go. In, I don't want to spend like too much on talking about this movie. But like the point is like it lasted in Australian cinemas for two weeks and then it was on DVD. Wow. Yeah, I'm surprised it like, got two like, weeks. Quite what? frankly, like it was this awesome thriller film with like this huge cast. Like it looked like it cost millions and millions of dollars. And then with with that cast, was, I'm like, amazed I haven't heard of it. Yeah, you know, like it's crazy. Hmm. I saw a Hugo Weaving film at the cinema when this show first started. Actually, so way back in it was called it was The Matrix, 2008, 2009. No, it's actually called The Last Ride, and it was this little low budget, you know, arty film about a father and a son and all this sort of stuff. And I actually really enjoyed it. I saw a media screening of it. Never saw it hit the cinemas, yeah. and I've never seen it on DVD. It's like we make, so it's like it just man. vanished. We make, we make awesome genre stuff all the time, but it just never. 
yeah. gets any h- highlight, I guess. Yeah, because we don't make genre films, so yeah. you know, it's a bit sad. <laughs> but um, apart from that, uh, caught up on the Coen Brothers True Grit, ah, uh, oh. outstanding film, um, just magnificent. Um, Jeff Jeff Bridges. Can that man do a bad film anymore? Ooh, it, it's right. just amazing. What's his line when he says, how many people? He goes, killed or... Um, <laughs> <laughs> or shot at. <laughs> yeah. No, he was he was a lot of fun. And yeah, just that, that whole cowboy vibe of standing up and doing the right thing, even though you're a curmudgeonly old guy who doesn't want to do anything really. Yeah, and quite frankly, when we saw the Coen brothers and... We knew that the Coen brothers would do something special because the Coen brothers are a personal favorite of the show. They're mm-hmm. so good. But we actually kind of went, oh, they're doing True Grit. I mean, how do you redo the John Wayne True Grit? I mean, mm-hmm. it's such a good film in itself. But my God, they just went yeah. head and shoulders surpassed and that, the that original. girl that they got. What's Haley? Haley Steinfeld. Steinfeld. Yeah. Wow. Like, what a performance. Like, she just recently one. played Juliet, didn't she? In Romeo and Juliet? Did I she? heard about that. Yeah. yeah. I think the last thing I saw her, saw her, well, I didn't see it, but I knew she was in Ender's. the Ender's Game. I didn't yeah, see Ender's Game film. was a disappointing film. She was actually not too yeah. bad, as was uh, uh, Butterfield. What's his name? Oh, Asa. Asa Butterfield. He was all right, but the film is just so lackluster. Yeah, yeah. right. So yeah. That's disappointing. I didn't mean. I did mean to go watch that movie. Yeah. I just knew it. I've got it on blue yeah. over there. So, um, what else? I've been. Uh, you I've were telling me about a game. What's this game? I, I've. Well, there's lots of games I've been talking yeah, about. Yeah, you, you were talking about one in particular, though. <laughs> the Gen Con. Ah, okay. So, well, Gen Con, that's that's not so much reading and watching as news because... Um, well, it's Gen, a bit of everything. Gen Con is, <laughs> Gen Con is the San Diego Comic-Con of, of the gaming world. And it's just finished up in the States uh, this weekend. Mm-hmm. And um, there were two games that came out of it that are really sort of noteworthy. One of them is... Uh, hang on a sec. I've just got to pull up. It was so noteworthy he has to look it up. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I'm just teasing. <laughs> uh, so one of them was called Mysterium and uh, it's one of you plays a ghost in a haunted house and everyone else is a psychic investigating the house mm-hmm. and every round the ghost passes you clues as to how it was murdered. Oh, that's cool. And you basically you've got to try and get all of the investigators to figure out who it was that did it, where they did it what they did it with, sort of like Cluedo. But uh, this, yeah, this game just looks fantastic. Supernatural um, Cluedo. This sounds like it's right up your supernatural, alley. Yeah. Supernatural Cluedo. <laughs> awesome. I love deductive games. Yeah. Like like Cluedo was always my jam I when I was a kid. never win, though. It's, <laughs> yeah, well, I could yeah. never win. I could never quite figure it out, dude. But the other one, which, uh, which was also kind of appropriate with our film review today, uh, was called Codenames, which is about uh, two rival teams of agents. You, you have to have four players. One of you is a spy master. One of you is an agent, uh, and two teams. And there's a grid of uh, of twenty five cards face down in front of you, which have code words on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, might be things like green, electric, iPod, etc. So each turn, the spy master gives a clue to his agent about where he's got to go to find a contact. Uh, so, for example, you might have uh, the cards that say iPod. On the, on the table and you might say Apple 1 telling him that there's just one card that you want, to, want him to find that relates to the clue Apple so you're going to hope that he turns over the one that says iPod but he might turn over the one that says green Ooh. and if he turns over the wrong one he might pull up one of the other team's agents which will help them to victory because whoever reveals all their agents first wins or he might turn over the assassin, which will kill him and end the game. <laughs> so, uh, so it's uh, a really little, clever little deductive game uh, where you're sort of working in a team and passing your code to someone else, which is really cool uh, and looks very exciting coming soon. 
And that sounds cool. Both of these games I want to play. Yeah. We're going to get to play these games too. We, we will. Sure yeah. are. We will. Uh, that, and that brings us to another point, which is one of the things we want to add to Geek actually uh, in the coming weeks and months is more gaming stuff. Mm-hmm. And we really want to bring more of that side because it's something we've never really explored in Geek actually. No. And I think it would be fun to be able to bring more of that sort of stuff in. So Jamie, you're going to bring us lots of game news. Absolutely. Yeah? Well, look, I can tell you specifically as well, there's more expansions coming for DC deck building. Yeah. <laughs> I'm holding, I'm oh, hold, I'm holding what, in my hand are? over here the uh, the latest expansion. Have they announced uh, the, the next one that's coming, I believe, is Legion of Superheroes. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So nice. uh, yeah, it's uh, it should be pretty cool. I think it's one of the smaller packs that just has. I like those small packs. Yeah, I really do like ten the, new you heroes. Just fold and those straight into the deck. They're, yeah, they're the cool. DC deck builder we're looking at like right now, like this, <laughs> the whole collection. Yeah, stack of yeah. Them. yeah it's like- <laughs> um, I've got to. I want to get the Teen Titans one, and then I, um, I think I still need one of the Crisis. I think I need the. I think so. Yeah, and yeah. the the uh, well, you got the Arrow crossover pack. I got the as Arrow. Well. That's the one I've got in my hand now. It's so, so like- good. So, yeah, no, it's very cool. And, of course, the last little mini expansion had Power Girl in it. So, you know, it's, it's, just, it's already won me over. So, <laughs> all right, Dave, what have you been watching over the last 10 days? I've been watching or reading the or same playing or thing you've been watching. <laughs> <laughs> um, should I bother to talk about that Ben Kingsley, Ryan Reynolds thing? Why not? Uh, I went and saw this movie called Selfless. It was all right. Let's let's move on from that. <laughs> sure. There's a glowing review for you. <laughs> no, it was it was a really cool concept and it had like um had its moments. Like it wasn't great, but it wasn't awful. You know how you see these kind of like middle of the road films, you know. What's most amazing about that is I've seen the poster and I've seen yeah. stills from it and stuff like that. And then you told me today it's a Tarsum film, a yeah. Tarsum Singh film. I would never have gone. Yeah, that. well, I wouldn't have gone either if I didn't know it was Tarsum. It's yeah. gotta be right. It's and, got Deadpool in it, right? Yeah, I know. And Ryan Reynolds <laughs> is really good and Ben Kingsley's really good and like everyone's everyone's fine in it and it's got some good action scenes, but it just doesn't capitalize on its like super awesome concept. And the basic idea is like Ben Kingsley is this billionaire who um is rich enough to afford this new technology called shedding which is that right before you're you're dying you're able to put your mind into another body right and so he does this just as he dies and he gets a new identity like a witness relocation program and then um and is that ryan reynolds and then that's ryan reynolds who he's put into and then it's and this is not a spoiler because it's revealed very early on in the film is that he discovers that um that the body that he's bought has been someone that this company has killed and taken their life away from. But the consciousness still exists inside that body. It needs to be removed by the taking of pills. Right. And so the movie is like him having to decide whether it's worth living a new life by taking somebody else's or letting himself go to let the... The, the, other, other the other consciousness come back. So it's really, it's kind of really interesting on that level, but it kind of just takes the the low road, I suppose. Like, becomes ever, an action shooter. Like, um, did you ever see uh, uh, an eighties film by Eric Red called Body Parts with Jeff no. Fay in it? Um, not the same idea, but kind of a similar concept, which is he. Uh, is a recipient of, uh, I think it's an artificial arm or something like mm. that, that he gets. And basically this company is about transplanting various body parts. Mm. But because the arm belonged to a serial killer, that consciousness starts to take over his body. And basically he's in, it's all about him trying to figure out where his limbs came from and all this sort of stuff. And it's, it's actually not a bad film, but it's the same kind of idea where it's like there's something from the past that's coming forward. Yeah. You know? um, On another tangent that actually reminds me, uh, before Mission Impossible, they had a trailer for the new Maze Runner uh, movie. Uh, yeah, no, I, um, I haven't seen that trailer but i i haven't seen the first maze runner i haven't like, i haven't either i caught a glimpse of it like on the uh, at the cinema like where, where i usually go to they have like this huge like lcd display thing 
And we were looking at this clip like, what the heck is this? This looks unreal. It looked really good. And then it said at the end, Maze Runner. (laughs) I was like, what? It looked pretty good, but it looked almost shot for shot like a remaking of of Michael Bay's The Island. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I was like- Who remakes Michael yeah, Bay? That's, <laughs> yeah. that's like it's funny because this selfless kind of feels like a like a total recall ish Philip K. Dick kind of respin, right? But it, it almost feels like it was written in the in the early nineties or the late eighties for Schwarzenegger or for Nicolas Cage mm. or something like that, and then it just never got made. And then, <laughs> like, oh, you know the way Hollywood is; it's very yeah. possible that it was, yeah. and it has been floating around for. And a we long just time. kept thinking when we were watching, like, man, if this had starred Schwarzenegger, it would have been amazing. Like, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to do your movie, but I'm too busy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but look, like if, you, if you're looking for just like some some dumb, empty, kind of like fun, like it's really worth What are you saying about for. my movies? Yeah. <laughs> I, I am, it is a tumor because I'm old. <laughs> it metabolizes to your bones. <laughs> you know? <laughs> before we go on to what you've been watching on TV, before mm. you go on to watch what you've been watching, anything else before you go on to the obvious one? Uh, no, no, just Voyager, Star yeah, Trek. Well, yeah, well, we'll come back to Star Trek in a minute. Uh, I'll just throw in a couple and then we'll come back because we both watched the thing on TV. So we'll come back yep. to that together. It's the big, the big um, kahuna. This week I had a chance to go to the cinema uh, last Friday and actually see Akira on the big screen, which was uh, the first time I've seen it on the big screen in 25 years. And from what they were saying at the beginning, it sounds like it was one of the first times it's been on the big screen mm. in 25 years. So uh, it was really quite a magical experience. Very jealous that you got to do that. Going back and re-experiencing this film on the big screen. However, that being said, if you have it on Blu-ray, if you've got the 25th anniversary edition on Blu-ray, it's actually better quality than the one they screened. Yeah, right. So the one they screened had some issues. Uh, It was a digital... Uh, presentation and it had a, a line down the edge of the screen like something wasn't lined up right and it had a couple of glitches in it. So For those of you who grew up in the 80s and 90s in Sydney, uh, the Valhalla at Glee, at Glee oh, yeah. used to show Akira like two or three times a month. It mm. was it was so yeah, right. popular back in the day. My fir- Actually, my first date with my better half was, uh, was at the Valhalla. We went and saw really? a Wallace yeah. and Gromit like all that they had released in, in one hit. It was great fun. Well, I actually saw it, funnily enough you say it, because I actually saw Akira for the first time when I saw it, when it first came out. I saw it at the Melbourne Valhalla. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was the dubbed version. They didn't have a subtitled version no, of course back not. then. So it was a dubbed version. We saw subtitled on Friday, which was nice. But mm. it was a dubbed version, and it was its first release, and it was released in the Valhalla in Melbourne. That's where I saw it. 25 years ago so it, it look it's a it's a mesmerizing film it's still after however many times i've seen this film i still don't understand it mm. but <laughs> you know, i don't know i don't fully understand the ending but it's just a visual treat yeah and it's actually i was saying to the guys that i went with it's one of the reasons why it's very hard for me to watch anime at this point uh the high-end anime things like ninja scroll and stuff like that we're not talking about that but we're talking about a lot of the they all get obsessed by dragon ball z mm-hmm. and all this it's one of the reasons because the bar was set so high so early for me yeah. that going back and watching yeah i'm with you on that kind, my- kind of cheesy tasteless animation you sit there and go this ninja scroll was my first anime so don't yeah. knock dragon ball z i'm going to the cinema next week to watch dragon ball oh z. speaking of that <laughs> yeah. oh and you and you and your trailer fetish we got the ad for dragon ball z at before oh uh, yeah awesome and i'm sitting next yeah. to jow who saw it in japan because he was in japan oh he's already seen it yeah he saw yeah, it in okay. japan just yeah. a, he was in japan a few weeks ago yeah and he actually saw it and he watched the trailer and then as soon as the trailer finished he just turned to his friend who was going to see this movie with me he goes 
They just did the entire movie yeah, of course. in one yeah. trailer. Yeah. Because what the hell? Yeah. Come on, people. How many times do people have to be told? The trailers <laughs> ruin the movies. Stop watching the trailers. The trailer for it was terrible, by the way. That's because I'm not a big Dragon Ball Z fan. Or, I'm or, sure mo- you are. or most of the trailers. Because that's quite hypocritical of me. Uh, the other thing. <laughs> I uh, still have no idea what Fantastic Four is about. And I yeah. have seen the trailer. <laughs> uh, read all the Fantastic Four. <laughs> <laughs> um, we need to vet trailers, I think, is what we are talking about before. Yeah. Very quickly, the other thing I saw this week was, you know, Nicholas's ongoing film exploration of all these films that he's now catching up on. We watched all four Bourne films. Yeah. Uh, some would argue there's only and three. And then you watched um, Salo. I was like, <laughs> whoa, Dave. We did not watch <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, We watched all four Bourne films. The only thing I'm going to say is that the first three Bourne films I absolutely adore. And yeah. we just got a, a kick out of them all watching them. Really interesting note about Bourne Legacy. When I saw Bourne Legacy at the cinema, I actually didn't mind it. And mm. I went, oh, yeah, that's okay. I mean, it's not the Bourne films, but it was all right and blah, blah, blah. Watching it directly after watching three Bourne films is really – the tone is completely different. And suddenly it's really noticeable when you watch it directly after the Bourne films. Everything from the soundtrack has changed. Yeah, right. Uh, so everything from the, the action, the soundtrack, everything, and of course, the lead star as well. But it's just – it feels like a different franchise. And so it's really, it's, it is kind of odd walking into, and even Nicholas, I think, was kind of go, getting sidetracked easily with Born Legacy because it was like, this isn't what we were watching. Yeah. You know? So it's interesting just to note that. So if you're going to watch the four films, give yourself some distance between the original trilogy and then watch Legacy later. I think there's a newborn in development now. There is, and apparently Paul Greengrass and, and Matt, Damon. Matt Damon. Yeah, but no Jeremy Renner because there was a talk about there being a crossover film, and now it looks like Jeremy Renner's not in this one. So yeah. I don't know what's going on with the Bourne films. So. I love Matt Damon, actually. like it, I, I'm Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> I never understood why South Park was making fun of it. <laughs> but, no, but like, he, yeah, it's true. <laughs> he, is, he is a lot of fun, and those films, he's really stellar oh, in. The Bourne films are stellar. Mm. They are just amazing action pieces that are actually intelligent as well as being amazing action films. So great stuff to catch up on. But television was the big call this week. Big Netflix, you've done it again. Dave, take it away. Go right into it, this trailer of it. Sure, why not? Summer is full of first first jobs. Ready to meet your other campers? First crushes. Hi. Hi. And the first day of camp. Some of you were campers last year, but now you're all 16 or 17 years old. (laughs) These are some things that will not happen here this summer. No relations between campers and counselors. This includes dry humping, necking, wet humping, finger banging, wheelbarrowing, saltwater tapping. (laughs) You were supposed to be here a week ago. Whatever. Smells weird. Who beefed? Welcome all. Summer theater program. Point the toes gyrating. Leave with the crotch. Get the fuck out. <laughs> we have a problem. Why do you come to me for help? I'm just a camp chef. I know you were in the military. I'm quite sure. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I think you do know. <laughs> Tell me you don't want to pack yourself off a slice of this long, greasy dick. Phones for emergencies only, young lady. Uh, that was an emergency. I, um, forgot my diaphragm. I was your age once. Take mine. <laughs> You're a real pal, Nurse Nancy. We might leave that trailer there, Dave. 
Yeah, I was trying to lower the volume. That's right. I got, <laughs> I got right here. <laughs> so, yes, Wet Hot American Summer First Day at Camp is Netflix's new original series. Yes, based the long on, awaited. Or the, the prequel to a movie that came out 15 years ago. Uh, and doing what is unprecedented, which is a film set eight weeks before the original, bringing back... The entire original cast and telling us of the same age. <laughs> well, that's because the, 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 the great in-joke of it all is that in Wet Hot American Summer, they're 15 years older than what they should be playing. Right. So, like, so now it's like they're, they're 30 years older than what they should be playing. <laughs> and some of them age has... I mean, Paul Rudd doesn't look a day older. Yeah, it's Elizabeth Banks for that. Oh, Elizabeth that Banks doesn't either. I mean, they've got, yeah. they've got pictures in the attic. Christopher obviously. Maloney is just... He's just the same as well, actually. Um, but I mean, some of the, the the lead. What's his name? Um, the, the which which the, lead? The, dork, oh, the dorky guy who's kind of been, oh Michael Showalter. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has has not aged well. Yeah. <laughs> and he also plays Ronald Reagan. <laughs> which I have no idea why he's playing. Two why roles. not? Though? But all I have to say about this series is one of my favorite lines in the whole thing is when they're talking about how does he do the push-ups and he goes perpendicular and use your <laughs> yeah, friend. <that's- laughs> I mean, I watched Wet on American Summer like 10 years ago. Like, um, for me, it's always been held as that cult yes. classic. And, and like, I've loved David Wayne for years, like with The State and with, you know, all the films that he's done. And like, this has just been something that's been rumored about for so long. You know, and so it kind of is. We get more than a four-hour movie. We get like this well, magical. Like I yeah, don't even. The question know how is, they will there it. be another yeah. series? I don't think. I think this is a one-off <laughs> thing. I think this is. Well, it feels like, for my, for my impression of it, it feels like because they wanted to do it as a movie for so long that they, you know, they just got Netflix. And Netflix so they just said, did longer. You can do yeah, it, but yeah. just do it as a four-hour because yeah. it literally is just sliced at every thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah. Every episode just. It's kind of beautiful though. One. Like it's really nice to have something that has an ending. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't happen anymore. You know, no, like yeah. comics, TV shows, everything is just ongoing mm. past the storyline that was originally planned for it, and it. It definitely shows sometimes, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I think my f- absolutely. I, I think the, the, like there'd the, be no point in having a cliffhanger at the end of this. No, and like, I think the film is summed up with there's a line. Well, they kind of do have says, a cliffhanger. At you know, the end. Well, <laughs> of, may, but it's may, done purposefully as a stupid cliffhanger. I think this whole this whole show is summed up by one line in the show where he says, "You know, make it special and make it the best summer ever." There'll only yeah. be sixteen months. <laughs> but I mean, if, if you if you love if you love the stuff David Wayne does, you've probably already watched it all. Yes. You know, like if you've seen Children's Hospital and everything, like. You know the kind of humor that that they do, yes. And if you love that humor, go for it. But if you don't like that humor, I'd probably avoid. <laughs> my avoid fa- this. I think my favorite moment in this, ent- I think I gotta say, my, I think my favorite moment in this entire thing is the transformation of Maloney when he opens <laughs> the little box and just starts pulling all the yes. stuff possibly out of the box, <laughs> and and magically his beard just grows. <laughs> I think my favorite moment was um, the the girl who gets her period. Oh, oh was that not the greatest sight gag in history? <laughs> not having not having seen it. <laughs> no, no, that's the genius of the gag is that not having seen it, it's not at all what you expect. No, not at all. It's all all it is. And it happens like, in the second it's episode. Like, yeah. it's, it's, I was yeah. actually going to say not having seen yeah. either the original movie or the series. Yeah. just the trailer there. Janine Garofalo, Garofalo, Garofalo. She just gets hotter as she gets older. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you haven't seen any of this, Netflix at the moment has the movie and the series. Mm-hmm. The series only launched on Friday. Uh, the, the series is only four. Is only eight thirty-minute episodes. It's only four hours. Yeah, long. it's four yeah. hours. 
where to go. The movie just set is, aside five hours. Watch the movie first. The movie's ninety minutes yeah. long, so you yeah. get through that really fast, and then you go straight into the series. The joke, the central conceit of the entire movie is that all of this stuff happens and it all happens in one day. So there's <laughs> wonderful lines in it where they go, remember when we first met just before lunch? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, like, um, oh, I can't believe awesome. I, I've gotten to know all of you guys over the span of three hours. Yeah. <laughs> and then the series, the series following that central conceit, the entire eight episodes takes place in one day. So um, it, it is just genius. It is, it is so clear. And the entire thing is punctuated with the, the clock coming up. It's like one thirty-eight. <laughs> and um, the radio. Oh, and, and the beekeeper. Yes. Yeah, I, don't, I don't want to spoil no, it. The, um, the uh, episodes uh, for the series are episode names, things like breakfast, lunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, it's like the perfect example of what Netflix can do, where it's like it's squarely aimed at people who love the movie. Correct. And if, like, if, you, if you've never seen the movie, I don't even know if it'd be funny. Like that's you. You could watch it out of context, but like I've got some people at work 90, who are actually ninety percent of this is fan service, like to like the extreme. Well, what's really funny <laughs> like, is I think with the series you can watch it and you'll get a giggle out of it because it is so absurdly funny. Yeah. But if you've watched the movie, there's so many references. Yeah. That will actually hit you harder because you've seen the film. Yeah. So I do recommend seeing the film first. I'd never seen this. Dave yeah. and Richard were babbling on about this film about two weeks ago. Yeah. So I watched it. I actually watched it twice in one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched it and then when Nicholas came yeah. home, I said, sit down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think you said something to me where it was like, I, I was going to put it on, I was going to watch the first 10 minutes, see how it goes. And then we finished it. <laughs> yeah. Then we just watched it all the way through. So, uh, yeah, do do watch the film first if you get a chance and then sit down and just enjoy the series. It is complete nonsense. Non- yeah, I Be watched prepared it from, for the fact I watched that it is one with nonsense. you. And then, yes. and then I watched all of the rest in one go. Yeah, we watched we watched night. six yeah. of them in one night, and then we watched the last two last night. Yeah. So it was like we ran out of time, so we watched the, the yeah. last two last night. But it's really easy, to, especially on Netflix with the autoplay. It just finishes and just rolls straight yeah. to the next one. It's like one of my favorite things of the year. Like, like full <laughs> stop. It's 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 one of those things that you never dream would happen. Well, you've sold me. You know, yeah. 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 Well, this year is like the, the like dreams come true. Yeah. It's oh, and like, Jamie, not man. for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, Thanks. Yeah. The, no. the, the the barely eight year old yeah. and the five year old. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, they, maybe they, not. they wouldn't understand it though. They they wouldn't even find it funny. Actually, they might find some of the abstract. Slapstick some of funny. The, the super weird stuff. So things, things like... <laughs> there the is actually a sight gag in the movie yeah. where Paul Rudd keeps losing kids. And so... <laughs> and there's always seems to be another kid who's witnessed it but doesn't know they've witnessed something. My favorite one is they're water skiing and the kid disappears under the water. And the other kid goes, is it my turn next? And then they show a van and they just kick him out of the door like they're getting rid of the witness. <laughs> my, 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 I, think, I think my favorite sight gag in the whole series was when um, Paul Rudd is talking to Katie... And he's walking away from her, and he keeps looking back, going like, "Oh we'll, yes, we'll be, we'll, we'll, we'll get on with it. We'll get on with it." And then he gets to this like fence. There's nowhere else to go, he so over. he climbs over the fence and then like <laughs> falls into the bushes. And the- <laughs> Every yeah. joke has to go on a little bit longer than needed. It just, yeah, and, they always um, just carry everything just yeah. too far. <laughs> it's, it's anti-comedy. To hey the, guys, the something interesting's happening over here. <laughs> 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 Anyway, we won't, we won't go on anymore. We could just do a whole episode just going on about <laughs> Do go and watch it because it is, it is a lot higher. And I remember higher. Netflix, first month is free. So, yeah. you know, if you have not a Netflix subscriber mm. yet, first month is free. Watch it. Watch Daredevil. Then 
sign off. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or just keep it. It's amazing. Or just keep it. It's I amazing. Love it. It is. Yeah. It's, it's so good. The, the <laughs> amount of content that's going on there as well, you can't fit it all into a month anymore. No, no. <laughs> yeah. And that's the other thing. People go, oh, there's not as much stuff as the Americans are. Every month they're adding more yeah. and more and more stuff. It's filling up fast. Far out. You, you would never run out of anything to watch no. as no. it is. Yeah. No, uh, it's, like, well, after People- I after I watched Wet Hot American Summer, I was just scrolling around like what else was new, and there was Mission Impossible Free, and I was like, oh yeah. So <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I, would, I just I, I have Mission Impossible Free on Blu-ray, but I just watched half of it on Netflix. I watched <laughs> I watched Guardians on Netflix. Yeah, I've got Guardians yeah. in 3D Blu-ray. Yeah. yeah, but it was just there, so I was like, okay. I'll I had it. never <laughs> taken the plunge of watching Elektra before. Oh, <laughs> and um, well, it, I'm glad I did it on Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you paid eleven dollars for that. <laughs> Electra is perfectly a fine film as long as you don't have to pay for it. So, <laughs> I saw it at the cinema. <laughs> um, well, anything else we want to add to this little collection of what we've been watching, or should we just move straight into? I think we need to move in. I think we need to. Your move finger is hovering over somewhere. the button there. I think yeah. we need to move into a little bit of this. La 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 La, 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 la. The gift that keeps on giving, and can I also tell you, it's made all the sweet by the fact that you're sitting opposite. Right now. <laughs> I, I really wanted to sit there trying to harmonize with that. <laughs> oh wait, no, we need background music. I forgot. Here we go. Oh. There you go. <laughs> you know what I love about I love about this though. I've watched the entirety of D Space Nine and one season of Voyager in the interim, having having us talked about season six. Yeah. Hold, <laughs> off, hold off on all the D Space Nine. Hold off on all the Voyager. This week in. Dave's journey through Star Trek, because for those who are first-time listeners, Dave had never watched Star Trek, and he's discussed, you've managed to polish off a lot of Star Trek in yeah. a very short period of time. We are now up to I season... Like Star Trek. I, 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 <laughs> I, I would hope so. Uh, we're now up to season seven and final season of Next Generation, and to correspond with that, we're also going to talk about the seventh movie in the series, which was Generations. Yes. Uh, so, Dave, this is your journey, so I'm going to pass it on to you. What did you think of season seven? Well, season seven is one of the best seasons. I agree. Uh, you know, in um, in here, I mean, we can just start going through episodes that that were just fantastic. But I think the real one here is all good things. That's the one to first yeah. talk about. The final, because it, it really is one of the greatest like final episodes of any TV. How show many television I've seen. shows have you ever watched where it's pissed it all away in the last yeah. episode? And this was like we were very nervous back then when it was coming out. We we're mm. very nervous. It's like, how do you finish this? Mm. And then this episode hits. We should say like, as well, like that Jamie and and you are, like have been watching all this stuff as it came. Correct. So it's like it's really interesting for me to hear from you guys, like Jamie. How, how it was when it ended. Well, all good things. Uh, so all good things came out on VHS well before it actually ever ever made it to TV here. Mm. Uh, so I had uh, I had run run ahead and seen most of Next Generation, and as soon as it came out. I, I, there were still a few episodes I hadn't seen, but I didn't care. I had to watch yeah. it, and it was beautiful. Like mm-hmm. it, it was such a such a rounding out of the entire series. Um, 
you can you can talk about it because you've just seen it, but you know, I remember just feeling Hobo Riker in it, dude. Hobo Riker. <laughs> all right, let me just say Riker with a huge beard. <laughs> I look. I mean, it's got such stellar moments as say, uh, you know, future curmudgeonly gray-haired wolf. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Captain Beverly. Captain Beverly. Oh, <laughs> the I've, medical frigate. Yeah. She is like I. I always. I had a thing for her. I was never a Troy man. I was sure. Beverly, I was a Beverly yeah. man. See, I was a yeah, Troy. I was a Troy. <laughs> yeah. I was a Troy. <laughs> but uh, but Beverly, she went into uniform. Beverly, like even you know, as a what was I, twenty something? You know, she was the older woman. Sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. It's like it feels like the end of that crew for me. All good things. And the because uh, like I Nemesis is like always has put a bad taste in my mouth for well not always since I started the Trek stuff like. It's a real bad taste to have in your mouth as yeah. the end of this crew. Without running ahead too yeah. far, almost every Next Generation movie feels like the end of that crew. Yeah. You know, like they always have this sense of, you know, and we'll close it out. Yeah, call Insurrection. Yeah. And then they call, call and then Insurrection they the yeah. last one. Baby. See, that would be awesome if it yeah. was. But I, I think because All Good Things kind of shows you what happens to them all mm. through mm-hmm. the rest of their life. Like, so it does go way forward. <laughs> no. I love Data. Data's, you know, I'm having an affection uh, gray stripe through his hair. <laughs> and how 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 much glee did your heart fill when the Enterprise came bursting through with three nacelles on yeah. it? Just, it's like you just go, oh man. <laughs> Hell, I'm going to warp 14. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. Um, no, I really enjoyed season seven. I thought it was. Oh, a- Lower Decks. That was a really good episode. Lower Decks was awesome. Yeah. The idea of showing an entire. In fact, just, it was just all- with all good things still, the, the, the best thing about it in the end, I think, was the. John Delancey, Patrick Stewart relationship, relationship. Yeah. Just those two pop so much on screen together, and that whole episode, the back Ooh. and forth between them. You know, they're they're just it's definitive Picard and Q. Correct. I don't know. I think I think I think the entire season can be summed up by that last episode. Although we should talk about Lower Decks very quickly because two shows attempted to do exactly the same idea. Yeah. Babylon Five had an episode as well, mm-hmm. which showed it all from the perspective of the cleaners. I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it was a really good episode. And it was a good episode, but Lower but Decks was Lower by, Decks is by amazing. far the best one because it shows life on the Enterprise through the eyes of junior officers. So mm-hmm. you'll see the main cast running into a room to have a meeting, but you don't actually see the meeting and stuff like that. So it was very cleverly very cleverly done. Um, and there was also, there was another episode, uh, I think it was Gambit was Part. Yeah, Gambit Parallels Part- I loved. Parallels was yeah. fantastic. And Gambit, Gambit was great with the, oh my God, is Picard dead? You know yeah, I mean? yeah. <laughs> Gambit yeah. Part 1 and Part 2 was really good. Um, I- I'm a big fan of um, the one where Geordi, Geordi's mother, um, he can't save her. Oh, oh yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that episode. Actually, good lord. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like it just really actually sort of pulls on the heartstrings. Mm. The one where uh, Alexander comes back from the future and um, yes, and, you know, is is hiding his identity. Yeah, and we should also point out that this was the definitive end for Wesley. Basically, mm-hmm. Wesley got taken away uh, by because he'd left the series by that stage, but he kind of came back for little visits and so forth. And this was the definitive where the what was his name again? The Traveler. The Traveler. The Traveler shows up and says, "I'm going to take that kid," which is kind of creepy in its own right. Well, <laughs> it was less. It was less. I'm going to take him and more. You know, Wesley. You know all that physics. You know that lets you just travel through time yeah, and space. Come along with me, and I'll show you how to be a god. Come basically. be a time lord. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and this, this sets up the marquee. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Maquis were actually set up strike. in here and in the Deep Space Nine And episode. the Cardassians, uh, you know, were in this a couple of episodes too, weren't yeah, they? The, the yeah, the big Cardassian episode was season six, though, with, there, there are, are four, four lights! lights! Yeah, of course. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, but the Cardassians actually were playing more and more of a part because of Deep Space because Deep Space Nine was running by this stage. That's right. And so we had new people to play with, um, new villains to play with, and we needed to have a lot of marquee stuff going on because of Voyager coming. So we were setting all of that up as well. Uh, a good series all around. Now that being said, because like this is like crazy because they finished filming this season and then went straight into generation. Well, yeah, I mean, literally within, like, and there's within actually two a, weeks, I think. It there's was. actually a wonderful piece of trivia about that as well. Uh, what's his name? Corey, the guy who directed Generations. Um, Corey Allen, was it? I think, what, whatever his name was anyway. David um, Carson. Directed. Oh, David Carson, sorry, David Carson, uh, who basically said on the first day of filming, they all showed up. Oh, the, music, oh, the, the, yep. the bridge just finished. They all showed up and they took their usual positions on the bridge. And he actually stopped for a minute and just looked at them all and said, Spread out, guys. This yeah. is widescreen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, because he had directed uh, a lot of yeah. next gen episodes as well, so they were all very familiar with yeah. each other. Mm. It's also the only film, uh, Generations. Mm. It's the only film that actually has a score by Dennis McCarthy, who was the next the next generation Deep Space Nine and so forth composer. Yeah, and so he came on and scored the film. And, and then did it. Jerry Goldsmith do the rest? Jerry Goldsmith did. I think he did uh, the rest. First Contact and Insurrection. I think he did Nemesis. Did he do Nemesis? I think he did. I'll look that up while you can You look that it. up because yeah. I'm going to play this a little bit, which is actually Dennis McCarthy's theme to Generations. Let that play in the background. What do you yeah. think? It's, it's, it's funny you say that about the widescreen because I remember when I saw Generations thinking very much they're moving around a lot more on the bridge than they normally do. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, because they went from a four by three locked, what they call a, what is it, a flat four format, because yeah. four sprockets per frame. So it's flat four um, format to two, three, five. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it's a massive jump. We're not even talking to 185, like 169 television. They went full widescreen. With it's this. a really interesting looking movie too. Like um, it's actually very pretty. Yeah, like it. It has a different look to the show too. Like yeah. it's a yeah. different color palette, and they light it really differently too. Mm. So it feels kind of bigger and just hearing this yeah. music, that opening sequence with the bottle flying through space, yeah. is just so beautiful. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, it was... I actually really like Generations. So like, did I. Um, the only thing I didn't yeah. like about Generations, I don't like I... the Kirk stuff too much. I didn't mind the Kirk yeah. stuff. So funnily enough, the thing that actually kind of pushed me back a little bit on Generations. I really enjoyed the whole film and it wasn't a deal breaker, but I just felt that the whole Nexus thing was just a little bit too it was a bit drawn jarring. out. Yeah. It was a little bit jarring. A little bit, it was a little bit too original Star Trek in the middle of my next generation. You know? what, was, what was strange about it was that there was this sense of passing the torch mm. to something that we'd already been seeing for seven years. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly and what I was going to talk about too because like you get the sense that it was a big deal at the time. But like for me, just like you know, knowing that like the show's done, the the next gen's done, we're in Abrams reboot stuff now. Yeah, yeah. it's like it, it feels kind of like this should have just been a generations movie. No, like, this was this was a like, big deal. There was a lot the time, of press. It was there was, there was yeah. huge press. Um, not and you know it was actually sort of bigger than nerd press. You know, yeah, like they actually were, there was all these articles about how they couldn't have done this film unless Shatner was in it. They had to pass that torch. Yeah. You know? It was a big deal at the time. The but, nerds, I think the nerds would have had a heart attack if they'd just done a next generation film. You know, yeah. they, it's like they needed to have that moment. Well, would they though? I mean, honestly, it it 
like I said, it feels strange to have this passing of the torch seven years after we've already had the next generation. Yeah, but at this point, yeah. next generation was very much TV. The film domain was Shatner's. The film domain. Oh, that's true. Because yeah. um, the undiscovered country was still relatively new. It only at the time. It had only, it was been only a couple, a years, couple ago. years. Yeah, yeah, and they're all pretty much still alive. And, the, and Undiscovered Country made a big deal about signing off and saying this is the last voyage of these yeah. people. So it was like to have this crossover film. I mean, you could argue that the first true Next Generation film was First Contact. This oh, was this course. this was mm. this little film in the middle that just kind of crossed yeah. it out and basically said we're going from one to the other. Yeah. And now you get to see because for the most part it's Picard and Kirk, like for the most part. Yeah, like pretty the, much. The rest of the crew have like there's some kind of subplots to it. Yeah. But. Oh, they're, they they're, take they're just crew. Well, we've got yeah. a lot of data stuff in there with the whole emotion chip. Yeah. And of course, we shouldn't, we can't go on without saying that two of the, uh, well, <laughs> how do I say this tactfully? Two of the biggest attractions from uh, Next Generation, mm. uh, which was Ursa and Bator, or yeah. as they were affectionately known at the time in a lot of the geek press as Klingon cleavage. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> with K's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because they are Klingon women who had. Boob windows, yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, for no apparent reason. Uh, but they were such popular characters mm. in the series, always trying to overthrow the empire and everything else. That they had to roll them into the film. Yeah, they were great. Although I've got to say, like the, one of the big draw cards for me as well was Malcolm McDowell. Yes, mm. um, and like I, I love him in general. But yeah. to put him in there as a Star Trek villain mm. and to play him off against Picard yeah. was just so good. Yeah. It was. I good think. Stuff. I think. Like overall, it, it does feel like the crew. Like it feels accurate, you know. Like, um, and that that gets less and less as the movies go on. I think a number of except tra- for Insurrection. Insurrection, I think, is the best of all the next gen. We movies, will come personally. back to Insurrection. Of course, we will. <laughs> a number but, but, of a number of Trek fans know. do say to me that the movies feel like space action movie with. Mm those people tacked on. But yeah, Generations, there's a real Trek feel to it. Yeah. yeah, Generations and Insurrection yeah. have a real feeling of that series. So. Uh, I love Insurrection, but we'll come back to we Insurrection. We will come back to that. <laughs> so we, we've got Insurrection in two weeks. I think they're all, like, and like just briefly, not to bury the lead too much on it, but I think all of them bar Nemesis are really good movies. I think. Yeah, I'd look, and I think Nemesis has really good like, stuff. To me, to in me, it. to me, it's it just weird, doesn't like, work. I, and I think yeah. the biggest problem with Genesis for me, uh, for Nemesis yeah. for me, and we'll talk about this when we get to Nemesis, but I think the biggest problem for me is the last act. Yeah, yeah. Up, to, up to the last act, I'm kind of there. You it's know, just because I'm I'm sort of like apathetic towards a lot of it. Because to bring it back to all good things, all good things feels like the end. Yeah, and this these movies don't really feel like events to me as much as they feel like special features on the season seven box set. Interesting, you know, like they just feel like extra things that we get, like a couple more episodes. See, I have a different feeling probably because I was there when they were coming out. Because I mean, like, crap, guys, like how many bad episodes of the next gen were there? A lot. You know, and so... A few, yeah. Yeah, and so like in terms of the worst next gen episodes, the movies are Shades of (coughs) Grey. Sorry, did I say that out loud? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we were talking talking the other night after panels Mm. about... the idea of if they brought Star Trek back, what would yes. you want? Yeah. Would you want the next gen crew back again? I think the like eh. No, I'd want Deep Space Nine's crew. I'd, I'd, yeah. want, I'd, want, I'd want them in cameo capacities. Or I, like I'd hollow, want a hollow deck. You'd want what, sorry? I'd want a hand pick. Hand yeah. pick. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I I'll I will I'll happily take Beverly back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I would want I would definitely want more Patrick Stewart. And more Worf. Yeah. Well, Wolf, he's I'm both. not a merry man. <laughs> well, I think I think they do deserve a better send off than what they got. We do not discuss it. Yeah, and you do it well. <laughs> yeah, we have something to give away. 
Let's ah, give it away. Yes. Uh, we have a pop vinyl, courtesy of Good Games Hurstville. Once again, we're going to give away Captain Picard. Considering that Captain Picard... Captain Picard! Cons- considering this is the end of the You're Next Generation series. We have a Captain, Cap- Captain Picard pop vinyl. Uh, for those who are real nerds, Star Trek Next Generation 188. <laughs> um, so to get this, Dave and I were discussing it earlier. What we want you to do now that we've finished Next Generation as a series, we want you, we want you to send us uh, an email at uh, competitions at geekactually.com um, and send a, uh, the, the question is, what is your favorite Next Generation moment? Moment. It can be any cast member. It can be any moment from any season. What is that one moment where you just go, that was Star Trek to me. That was Next Generation. Mm. Oh, can I say mine? Can I say mine? Sure, why not? It's when Picard goes to go engage and Q makes a cigar appear in his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> you win, sir. No, no. You can't win. <laughs> Wait, no, no, is that in one of the movies, though? No. No, no, no that's no, no. in um, Cupid, I think. What are we What are we talking about in... Next Generation. In, oh, in, Next in the Generation. Whole, the whole It's the one show. where... All of season seven, Next Generation. Anything yeah, within the seven I was going to say season. Q's not in the movies, but I'm confused now. No, I, no, like, no. I think we're We haven't finished it. the movies yet, so we can't... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're ju- we've just finished Next Generation, so he's going out for Next Generation. So we're doing the your favorite moment from... All from, of... Tr- all of, All next, of generation. next Generation. Oh, right, yeah, okay. The Seven seasons time, of Next Generation wow. with Captain Picard. Find your favorite moment. Send it to competitions at geekactually.com. Ooh. Or, alternatively, if you really want to do us a favor, we will take entries to our Facebook page. So facebook.com forward slash geekactually and like the page while you're there. Mm. You're not supposed to do that because you get you can't, your account canceled. But I'm just going to say we need likes. So go ahead and like it and then give us the answer there. Make it so. A lot of people don't like sending email today. They're more Facebooky people. So if you want to, you can put it there. We will keep an eye on that as well. I'm Captain okay. Facebook Picard of <laughs> the Starship. Wh- like me. <laughs> now, I've got 42 friends. I have one. How ca- many do you have, Worf? I have one, ca- I have one caveat to all of this. Which it, is, I don't need do not have friends. <laughs> Order. <laughs> I have one caveat to this entire competition, which is... You don't you- need friends. Shut up. You only need lovers. Shut up, Wesley. Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. Uh, there is one caveat to this competition, and it, we must stress this because last time it caught us off guard. As much as we love you all overseas, this competition is for Australian residents only because, quite frankly, I'm cheap <laughs> and overseas postage is expensive. So, Especially in Scotland, we love you. I love your accent. <laughs> uh, but we are going to move on now. We also still have that pop vinyl of uh, data. Nobody entered that one. And I don't know why. I don't, I don't know if he's not popular or what have you. So we're going to reassess that one. We'll come back to that. I like data. Now, the, the competition for this this uh, Picard here will end in two weeks. So we've got next week's episode. Mm-hmm. The week after we will announce it. So you've got two weeks to do this. Okay. Uh, two episodes to do this. It'll be announced on episode 14. Okay. Okay. So with that all being said... I think the biggest piece of news. Now, does anybody have any other news before we go into the biggest piece of news? And Dave knows what I'm talking about with the biggest piece of news. So there's 135 days left until Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Well, damn, we better give something away for that then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Question is, you Star just Wars? Get, you just get Star Wars. You've just given away the time, so that can't be worth the competition. Jamie, can you explain what we've got here? What we have here is the original films. Uh, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. You mean the only films, right? <laughs> I don't mean that, but <laughs> no. some people do. Yeah, I don't mean that either. No, no, <laughs> I don't either. Sorry, sorry, I, was, I, was channeling, I was channeling other people. So. Nerd rage. <laughs> There's look, only, look just, only just putting it out there, the prequel films are not great, but they're not dismissive. No, let's put it this way. The prequel films are quite decent films. They're not the... Well, whole, no. They're no. not the Holy Trilogy. Attack of the Clones all. is a bad film. 
Actually, I like Attack of the Clones better than I like Phantom Menace. No, really? Yeah, okay. I it's it's going to be decisive. I like, I like dialogue, so I couldn't do Attack of the Clones. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, anyway. <laughs> A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. We have the Golden Book version. Oh, these are awesome people. They are of, awesome. Of, of these films. They're amazing. Uh, and, and if you have kids, they're even more amazing. Uh, your kids will love these, and particularly... Now, they'll they'll grow up loving out, Star yeah? Wars because of you. They've only just been released, uh, and... You can get all six, but I've only got the uh, the three here, the original three, and uh, I believe we're going to give these away. We are, and we're still now we're going to try and figure out how we're going to give these. Apparently, away, it's so. just competition corner here. Today. It's competition <laughs> corner. I want to give these away because somebody deserves to have these right now because they are amazing. I, um, I I still want to play on uh, on Dave's fascination with with not watching trailers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tell us more. So I think I think that the winner should be the person who comes up with the most ridiculous plot for The Force Awakens before before <laughs> the, we actually the see reflects it. Reflects nothing so of were, what the actual plot if is. You were, you don't reflect the actual plot, but if you're trying to spoil this for Dave and telling him, you know, this is what's in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> that is brilliant. I like that. And I think for this one, we'll make this a Facebook exclusive because we've got to get more people to our Facebook site. So, right, so post, post on Facebook your pitch for what The Force Awakens would be if you were trying to wreck Dave's day. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it can't reflect yeah. what is actually in the trailer. It's going to be a completely original plot. Mm-hmm. The most ridiculous thing you can think of create the plot for the force awakens put it on our facebook page facebook.com forward slash geek actually and uh once again two weeks by episode 14 we're going to give these away so the little little ball droid that's that's you know actually just someone's soccer ball it's not actually a character it's actually only four inches high baby (laughs) it's just shot very close It's it's a testicle that's dropped from an, an AT AT Walker. I, I'm looking forward to the next the next trailer having the uh, the AT AT dance sequence. Oh yes, there you go. Yes, it's gonna it's gonna hustle. It's gonna get up on its hind legs. Yeah. Put a little top hat on. Fantastic stuff. So if you want to win those, go to our Facebook page facebook.com forward slash geek actually the most ridiculous plot for the force awakens you've got two weeks to get that up there we will announce the winner because of course no matter how creative you are we always pick the winner randomly anyway well the most creative ones we'll read on the show and the patented david mcveigh caveat Oh uh, yes, no. He paid I am cheap, <laughs> and I'm only posting these two. You can, if you enter from overseas, you're more than willing to enter, but you're not going to win. Uh, <laughs> so if someone does, then someone in Australia should just copy and paste their answer. Well, what, if they, <laughs> what if they're happy to pay postage? No, that just gets too complicated. Yeah. I'm also lazy, so <laughs> I'm cheap and lazy. So you've got to you've got to be a resident of Australia to win these. Okay, mm-hmm. the same as the pop vinyl. That's fantastic. That's all our giveaways. If there's no more news, Dave, can you roll for me? Well, not just yet. Don't roll. We'll explain what it is first. At Comic-Con a week ago, uh, two weeks ago now, I should say, they played a trailer for... Yoga hoses? No. Well, they did, but they haven't released that publicly yet. We'd be talking about that too, otherwise. Um, amazingly Sorry. enough, the, set, the team of Sam Raimi and and man, Bruce Campbell mm. have returned um, and they're doing a series on stars. Uh, it's going to be 10 episodes, half hour episodes. Mm-hmm. They're calling it a horror sitcom, which is brilliant. <laughs> um, it is Ash versus evil dead. And Oh my God, just roll it, Dave. Just roll it. My uncle was a shaman. When I was a kid, he would say evil is always waiting in the shadows. And only one man would rise to stand against it. Yeah, looking good. 
Looking sweet. Tell you something I've never told anyone. 30 years ago, my friends and I spent the night at a cabin. We found the Necronomicon Ex Mortis, the Book of the Dead. Certain passages were recited. It awoke something in the woods. Something evil. was the only one to escape but now the evil has found me <laughs> first thing i gotta do is see a guy about a book there must be some spell i can say to undo all this the other first thing i gotta do is some cardio because my heart is jackhammering <laughs> like a quarterback on prom <laughs> here's the plan we bust in there Fight through the carnage, let the boomstick do the talking, things get hairy, use your bottle. <laughs> um, I don't think it's a very good weapon, Hefe. You had to stab like 50 times. I was sharpening it for you. Now, come on. You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> Who the hell are you? I'm your new best friend. Yo, Granny. Let's go. I'm not a grief counselor, but if it's any consolation. You're kind of like a young me. That ice ruined your life and you're hot as hell. You know they were Jewish, right? I, I did not. Wish you could have said something before I made those dumb crosses, but... Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. I know that trailer goes on for quite a long time for our audio listeners, but I do recommend, we'll put the, sh we'll put the link in the show notes. You've got to go watch this. Uh, Sam uh, Raimi is back. He directed at least the first episode. We don't know who else is directing at this point. I love Necronomicon Ex Mortis, which means the Book of the Dead of the Dead. <laughs> uh, it is a staggeringly funny looking trailer. And I thought with all of that going on, it just really made me go, God, the evil dead, it's time to do this again. Yeah. And so as the journey with my son goes through movies, I said, yeah, I think it's okay. I mean, Evil Dead 2 is an R-rated film, but it's a low R in today's yeah. standards. So we actually had a look at it together. And to, to paraphrase my son... In fact, no, this is almost a direct quote. <laughs> we finished and he just looked over his shoulder at me and he just went, that was fucking awesome. <laughs> I went, yes, son, it was. And we immediately watched Army of Darkness. <laughs> so, uh, But I think he actually liked Evil Dead 2 more than Army of Darkness, quite frankly. Evil Dead 2 is awesome. And it looks like they've actually kind of, for this series, kind of just skipped a lot of Army of Darkness and just mm. made this more of a sequel to Evil Dead 2, even though the events probably took place. Yeah. I don't think they're really focusing on that at all. Mm. Jamie, are you an Evil Dead fan? My, my 
15-year-old self inside was jumping for joy watching yeah. that trailer. Like, <laughs> I remember Je- I remember sitting down and watching. Not, well, I, I saw Army of Darkness first. Right. And then I went, wow, this is great. I have to go watch the original one and going, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> Evil Dead. It was just a ridiculously bad fo- film, but then they made it into Evil Dead 2, which was amazing. Which is effectively a remake of yeah. Evil Dead 1. Evil Dead 1 was made with absolutely no money whatsoever. It actually, it felt to me like they made the first one and went, this is so bad, it's funny. What if we actually <laughs> made it funny? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so with Evil Dead 2, I think the, the, the first thing we need to talk about, and I think this... This this uh, series is going to do the same thing, which is, of course, every Evil Dead mm. film has had no sense of continuity between them, yes, and they yeah. have completely yeah. rewritten Absolutely. their backstory. Well, they're almost the perfect films for kids, like in that <laughs> sense. Because I, I I don't remember a time when I didn't watch Evil Dead, yeah. repeatedly. You know, like well, I saw because Evil- my dad my dad used to have a big VHS collection that he'd record off TV, and right. so whenever they were at work, my brother and I would always go in there and read the titles, and you know, you're, you're more inclined to pick. The Evil Dead. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's evil and dead. Yeah. So, like, I, I, I was watching the first Evil Dead before I even had any concept of, like, this is a terrible movie or a, or a bad movie. It was just, like, this is insane. Mm. You know, and then Evil Dead 2 is, like, the best thing a kid could ever watch in their life. It's interesting because like, Evil Dead, when Evil Dead 1 came out, because I remember when Evil Dead 1 came out at the cinema, it was actually playing at Hoyts, and I remember the poster with the, mm-hmm. the girl reaching out of the mm-hmm. out of the dirt with the cross behind her and all this sort of stuff. And... I just always, because I was never into horror movies when mm. I was really young. And Evil Dead, when it came out, I would have been about 13. And I used to look at that poster going, oh, that's kind of creepy, and I don't ever want to watch that, and da 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 Years later, a few years later, it was on VHS, and this is before Evil Dead 2 came out. I finally watched it. I finally worked up the courage to watch it. By then, I'd watched a few horror films, and I thought, okay, I can watch this. And I actually remember the first Evil Dead as being quite creepy. I mean, there's yeah. there are moments in that film that are actually really kind of genuinely creepy the the singing of the nursery rhymes and you know the stuff like that and i just thought this is really really odd mm. flash forward a few years evil dead 2 is coming out of the cinema and my friend goes you got to come and see this with me come on it's gonna be evil dead it's gonna be great blah blah blah. and by then i was watching a lot more horror films and stuff. I said, okay what the hell we went to see an 11 o'clock in the morning session i we i think we'd been up all night uh and uh i, I said to dave it's the, quite literally it's the first film and probably the only film i've ever actually fallen off my chair at the <laughs> cinema watching i was laughing so hard i just sleep clean off the chair yeah. um the, and it was just it's uh, it's a masterpiece yeah. and you sit there and you just go this is genius because it's it's scary and it's funny and it's just it's just completely outrageous. The entire sequence where his hand gets possessed is just brilliant. It's yeah. funny. It's yeah, funny yeah, you yeah, should yeah. mention Farewell that. To arms. Especially <laughs> yeah. who's laughing now? <laughs> it's funny you should mention that because I happen to have that clip right here. Nothing like a good chainsaw, I say. <laughs> <laughs> it's very silly, but but that bit where his, his hand grabs him by the head and flips him over. <laughs> One of my favourite bits of cinema. According to all trivia and according to them at Comic-Con, 
no wires. That was actually Bruce Campbell flipping himself. That's over. amazing. That, that is that is the extent of body control that Bruce yeah. Campbell has. Let's talk about Bruce Campbell for a minute because Bruce Campbell. I mean, one of the things they talk about the chin, Col- the chin. Have no, you read his icon. books? Have you actually have, read his books? I have read his books. He's yeah. got two books out. Yep. One is the If Chins Could, if chins kill, could kill, which is basically an autobiographical story. The other one he's got is uh, My Name Is Bruce. No, 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 no. The other one he's got is uh, got love in the title. It's uh, oh, something. No. Thing love and it's basically a fictional book it's actually his first fictional book but he plays himself in the book <laughs> and it's all about him getting a role in a new Mike Nichols movie and it's all it's all about his with 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 Gwyneth Paltrow, Paltrow and it's all about his going through and researching the role and everything leading up to having to be in this movie that doesn't exist and it is actually really really funny um Oh, tell me what this book is called. Uh, oh, where is yeah, it? I'm trying to find it, but it's. Uh, I'll, I'll show you the book later. It's gripping radio. It is. <laughs> it is a fantastic book. It's very funny, and um, I, I haven't heard of the third book that you were mentioning, so I have to go out and find that now. Um, well, I might be wrong. Though. The thing about the thing about Bruce Campbell that I think is really interesting is that when you look, the problem with audio books and stuff like that, it's like they just end up like in your mind, not on a, <laughs> not on a shelf where you can remember. Uh, go to Amazon.com books. There you go, straight down, 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 down. There, uh, you'll probably find it there. Um, Make love. Oh, right. yeah. Make love the Bruce Campbell way. <laughs> That's the one. The, the the fictional movie is called Make Love, and uh, he's he's uh, going for. Uh, researching this role to be in this film. It's very funny reading and well worth having a look at. I've actually got it here somewhere in hardback. Um, Bruce Campbell, though, is very interesting because if you actually go back and you watch the first uh, the first two Evil Deads, which I have over the last couple of mm-hmm. weeks after being inspired by that trailer, um, he was actually a terrible actor. I mean, let's, let's, not, let's not beat around the bush. He was a terrible actor who grew into a role and Ash could not be anybody else. And I have a demonstration of well, this. Well, like, isn't it fam- famous that he's the only reason he's Ash is because he was the only one that stuck around? No, no, really? no, 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 no. He was the best looking. He was the best looking. Yeah, sure. Yeah, The group of friends yeah. got together to make yeah. a movie, and the only reason he started it was he was the best looking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, just to give you a highlight, this is from Evil Dead Two. This was from a very early scene in Evil Dead Two, and 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 highlight the the fact that he wasn't really an exceptional actor at the time. I feel funny about being here. What if the people who own this place come home? They're not going to come back. Even if they do, we'll tell them that the car broke down or something like that. <laughs> With your car, they'd believe it. Hey, what do you say we have some champagne, eh, baby? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> After all, I'm a man and you're a woman. At least last time I checked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So <laughs> that's all played to their strengths, though. You know, like that's. But the funny yeah. thing is, even Sam Raimi talks about this on the mm. Comic Con panel. He goes, "Who knew?" Because some somewhere between then and now, he's actually grown as an actor. But yeah. there's also not only has he grown as an actor, and he's done things like Bubba Hotep and stuff like mm. that. But he is Ash, and yeah. by even by the end of Evil Dead Two, nobody could play Ash. No the way he played Ash. I mean, that's the thing. That's what made that film that film. Is he Ash or is Ash Bruce Campbell? Well, <laughs> that, that's, that's, the, that's the interesting point. Now, here's a, here's a little bit of him further into the film where we're getting a little bit of emotion out of Bruce Campbell. You bastard. You dirty bastard. Give me back my hand! 
by this point, you're absolutely and utterly sold on his character. <laughs> I, I think he's easily the equal of William Shatner. Oh, actor. man. I think better than William Shatner, let's face it. Um, he grew as an actor, as we know, and he actually grew into other roles. He's, he was, uh, what is that, uh, the, the Briscoe County? The, 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 Briscoe Tech, the Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., yeah. yeah correct. Uh, the TV series, the Western series that he did, and he was in Burn, Burn Notice, Notice most recently. And, you know, he's, and he's been in every Sam Raimi film in some capacity, whether mm-hmm. it's been a cameo. And his French waiter in Spider-Man 2 <laughs> is genius. It is I mean, great. It's just well, and, the, and the ring announcer in Spider-Man <laughs> That name sucks. <laughs> Remember all the rumors he was going to be Mysterio in... Um, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the film I wanted to see. <laughs> oh, man, that and J.K. Simmons together. and you know, oh. That would be the ultimate Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> and at some point in the middle or nearing the end of Evil Dead 2, Ash went from being the buffoon to being our hero. And... I think the moment is summed up with one word. Groovy. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes on. And of course, the end of Evil Evil Dead 2, he gets sucked back in time. But that's that's one of the things that's quite fascinating about it is that he, even through uh, Army of Darkness as well, he's both. Mm-hmm. He is he is a complete buffoon, but at the same time, and really not all that likable. But yeah. at the same time, he is the hero, and you're cheering for yeah, him. Absolutely. But the thing about Army of Darkness, I think, is that they actually ramped up the unlikable. Quote. Yeah, well, they <laughs> really gets yeah, less likable, and and not not to the point that they wanted it to be either. They were held back. Mm. Yeah, and um, there's that awesome audio commentary that they've done for Army of Darkness, where they talk about how they wanted they wanted Ash to be even more. Despicable and cowardly. cowardly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we've got we've got this one. Of course, this is where the famous term comes from that we've actually heard in the new trailer for the new series. But this is where it originally comes from. This is from Army of Darkness. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. The twelve gauge double barreled Remington S Mart's top of the line. You can find this in the sporting goods department. That's right. This sweet baby was made in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Retails for about $109.95. It's got a walnut stock, cobalt blue steel, (laughs) and a hair trigger. That's right. Shop smart. Shop S-mart. You got that? (laughs) Now I swear. The next one of you primates. (laughs) Even... Touches me. <laughs> <laughs> you primitive screwheads. <laughs> That's one of you primates. And there's that one line I love when, he, when he's talking to Emmett Davids where he goes, what gives? First you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me. Yeah. Blow. <laughs> Give me some sugar. Give me some sugar, baby. <laughs> um, Army of Darkness was mm. a complete departure. Mm. We went from... It's so funny. Like I, I used to have Army of Darkness. That was the one I watched the most right. when I was little. Just yeah. over and over and over and over again. And there's something about Army of Darkness that you can watch a million times. Well, it's a Three like, Stooges cartoon. I mean, Three Stooges much. film. I mean, they Quite took literally they, at one point. <laughs> absolutely, they actually they actually took. The, the, they went from horror to mixing in comedy with the horror, which, let's face it, comedy was always mm. apparently all of them. Bruce Campbell yeah. and so forth are all fans of Three Stooges. So they were, do you have um, Danny Elfman's song there? The I March? do. Funny you should yeah, mention yeah, that yeah. too. We should that point was a out big part of it. One yeah. of the big heroes of the Evil Dead films, right across all three of them, mm. is Joseph Loduca, yeah. who composed some amazing 
Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing music for this. But interestingly enough, on Army of Darkness, I don't think I actually think I brought uh, he, he Joseph LaDuca's music. He did the incidental score, right? I guess. Joseph LaDuca did the entire score yeah. except for one track. Which was, yeah. The, There's one track, which the is, which is this one, which is whatever. actually called March of the Dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was where the Army of Darkness basically storms the castle. Yeah. And it, a little bit of it, I don't have the whole thing here, but a little bit of it sounds like this. It actually has a very long build-up, and it actually has there's a lot more of it after that. It's a very long track; it's about four minutes or something like that, and it's sensational. It only appears once in the film, um, and I remember getting the soundtrack album. It actually says "Music by Joseph Loduca, yeah. March of the Dead" theme by Danny Elfman. It's like, the, and da- the reason why, of course, is that Danny Elfman had just worked with Sam Raimi on Darkman. Mm-hmm. So with Darkman, uh, Danny Elfman did the score complete, and so they were obviously at that stage had formed a relationship. And he said, yeah. "Do you want to come on and?" and help us out. But even if he hadn't, Joseph Loduca's theme alone was actually quite a remarkable theme. Um, even from his early days of Evil Dead all the way through. And apparently he is scoring all of Ash vs. Evil oh, Dead. Really? Oh, really? Well. Yeah, so, awesome. So he, yeah. Is, um, he is coming back for the series as well. Uh, Jamie, Army of Darkness? Army of Darkness. It hit such a good tone. Even, I mean, you knew that it was a comedy straight up because even the bad guys are slapstick comics you know like <laughs> everyone in that film is is there to have a good time and it, it really shines out you know like every mm-hmm. every line that we've just pulled every uh, every scene has something in it that you can be laughing at at the same time as you're going you know hey that's kind of gross <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and of course you can't have a uh, you can't have an evil dead now because we even see it in the new series mm. you can't have an evil dead without a line like this yo she bitch let's go Let's go. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. It's hard for me to even stress like how how excited I am for this. It's, it's like <laughs> Sam Raimi and this these movies have made such a giant impact on my life and the way I look at everything. It's like when you're a film lover, like Sam Raimi, really, there's something about his style, his inventiveness that just drives you absolutely insane. Like it's he really is great. His like first absolutely two, brilliant. Like uh, apart from this, you know, like his first two Spider Man films mm. are. Heaps of fun, yeah. You know, like he he really just he can't put a foot wrong, and he always has Bruce Campbell, and who look, is a draw look, card in himself. And I'll I'll buy a ticket to any Sam Raimi movie opening day, no matter what. Like even if it's Oz the Great and the Powerful, <laughs> I, 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 I'm going because you know he earned my money. You know, like, oh, you know sure, no, I agree, I yeah. agree completely. And um, and I mean, like, look at even the the, the inventiveness of the of the shots in all these movies. It was really mm. hard to to move past. You know, like it's so next level thinking Sam Raimi like like look at the like the shots in Army of Darkness where like they do it they they point the camera up to a blank white sky and then they just have people off camera running trees past <laughs> yeah. you know, to give that that heightened feeling it's stuff like that even Wet Hot American Summer just did the same kind yeah. of thing like it's the influence of his cinematic style is is unparalleled oh absolutely it's like um even Edgar Wright like 
his style's developed a lot from what Sam Raimi, like a lot of Edgar Wright's style should be credited to Sam Raimi. I think there's a lot way. of filmmakers from that yeah. early period of time, from that from the throughout the 80s and into the early 90s, <laughs> that are all influenced heavily by Raimi. That early period of time, back <laughs> at the dawn of man. Well, when, when, talking, when, <laughs> yeah, talking, no, uh, when I was a wee child, <laughs> when I say when I say that early period of time, I should qualify. It's that whole early period where we're introducing the whole video industry, the video nasty, the whole video industry. Yeah. yeah, we saw an influx prior to the 80s. It was a very different landscape to film because you would have a big blockbuster come out or you'd have a summer movie come out and then two years maybe three years later you might get it on Mm. television and then you wouldn't see it again on television for years again after that and so forth the 80s from about 1980 81 we started to see the birth of the video store and we started Mm -hmm. to see the birth of films going to video prior to going to television we started to see repetitive viewing habits we started to there was a very different landscape was Mm. formed uh the 80s is actually one of my favorite periods of film purely because it was this huge period of change within the entire industry and we saw an entire new breed of filmmaker come out of that era where Um, people were like fuck it like this is what we love yes and we'll make what we love absolutely just to quickly go back um, what you were saying before Dave about direct or or Sam Raimi in particular that you owe him your money is there anyone else that you you feel that that's the case because like, there's definitely directors that I feel that way. I will see anything no, because they have. I think I can speak for David. my yeah. money. I think I can speak for Dave and say that anything Spielberg directs. Anything he, Spielberg. he could yeah. he could take yeah. out the phone book yeah. and direct the phone book, and I'm going to go see it. Yeah, so. exactly for yeah. sure. Um, Kevin Smith, uh, yep. Robert Rodriguez. Oh, absolutely. I, I've I've paid for some terrible Robert Rodriguez. I've paid for like Shark Boy and Lava Girl. <laughs> like I, I, anything he makes, it's, it's just me too. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Like um, I don't know. There's so many. Um, I bought The Ward. On DVD, <laughs> John, John Carpenter is um, another one who, John although amazing. hasn't, it is arguable that he hasn't made a decent film in a decade. Yeah. Um, if you're listening, John Carpenter, make us a film, and if you could, team up with Sam Raimi. <laughs> <laughs> Look, and the only thing that he's really made of note in the last decade, Exciting. decade and a half, is. Two shot, two things for television, mm-hmm. which he actually directed two episodes of the series Masters of Horror. Yeah, um, and those two single episodes are they're outstanding. Brilliant. They're I've brilliant. Seen them. Mm-hmm. After that, because he was in retirement, after that he kind of went, okay, I'll make one more film. Made the Ward, yeah. which is not a very good film. And prior to him going into retirement, he made Ghosts of Mars, which is not a very good film. Mm-hmm. But I can't help but go see and worship anything Carpenter does because yeah. all I have to do is go back and look at a run of Assault on Precinct 13, mm-hmm. Halloween, Escape from New York, The Thing, The Fog. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, and you just sit there and go, this At the man, Mountains of Madness, ma- love that movie. Uh, Mouth of Madness. Mouth of Mouth Madness. Of Madness. Yeah, Mouth yeah. of Madness. Like, Prince, of, Prince of Darkness, they live, of course, mm-hmm. Big Trouble in Little China. Yep. You know, it's like you just look at this, this string of films and you go, there is nothing that I don't like about this man, you yeah. know? Yeah. And even in The Mouth of Madness has some serious, problems as a mm. film it's so visually different and it's so uh, visceral yeah. in the way he's made it that I can't help but just adore this the I, the I love that movie yeah. I used to, I actually I used to teach mm. Lovecraft and we would pair it up with teaching that film because yeah. it is not only visually stunning but it encompasses so many horror tropes yes. and ideas yeah. so beautifully yeah absolutely. I think the, the people that I I the Coen brothers to, are another one that I yeah, uh, I yeah, Coen yeah the Coen, it's there's so many but like the people in that have influenced me the most I think that I return to every year at least every year it's like James Cameron uh Spielberg Kevin Smith Robert Rodriguez Tarantino Scorsese yeah and Sam Raimi See, you know, this like, is this uh, has been interesting uh, for me. There's, there's, and there's so many more. Peter Jackson, like you just, I've the list can like, go on for a long, go on time. forever, of course, and ever and ever. But I don't Which know. Which is great. Ramy, Ramy has been like because it's always it's it's the movies 
Like Kubrick mm-hmm. for me is a is a big one. But you know, Kubrick is dead, so I can't really put in Kubrick because sure. it doesn't fit in with the whole anything he makes because he's well, dead. If he did come out with anything, yeah. you, you can bet yeah, that yeah, would exactly. be there. Yeah. You know, I like, would be um, really, I'd be first in line <laughs> yeah. to see that yeah. at this point, yeah. But, you know, these are the, this is kind of like one of the big things I always think about in my head where, where my big influences are people that soon are going to be dead. Yeah, I can you know, see and that. like, where is the the new blood? David Fincher is another one that like um, anything he makes, I'll go and see. I I've, I don't think David Fincher's made a bad film. This like, is full stop. Like, because there's always something in that movie that's like, yeah. holy shit. It's something that Dave and yeah. I have talked about uh, off air, and we should. I mean, it's a philosophy that we both share, and I think I brought it to you, and you mm. said, yeah, it's such a good philosophy, which is. There's a there's a real tendency in in especially amongst film critics and and dare we say that the blogger industry in particular at mm. this point where they go oh that film is crap that film is good that film is masterpiece that film is crap but mostly that film is crap mm. and you look at it and go no actually the film wasn't crap it may not have been up to the standard that you're looking for but it wasn't crap and I said to David they said as people who love film I think there is always something to love in every film there is there is something in every film people go on about the Wolverine film yeah. at this point X-Men Origins Wolverine the first one and they go oh the film was the worst film ever really that was the worst mm. film ever so you're going to compare that to Plan 9 from Outer <laughs> yeah. Space and Robot Monster and you know and so forth and you look at it and go I've got a soft it- spot for Plan 9 yeah, well, <laughs> yeah well, I think a lot of us do but the thing is you go is it absolute crap the worst film ever made absolutely not mm. is it is it up to scratch to x-men and x-men 2 probably not well but actually there's some good should, stuff in there funny you should mention those because one of the people that i would put on my list is brian singer for sure mm. when people have been talking about the new apocalypse movie and not liking some of the stills that have been coming out you mean with it? ivan ooze in it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i look <clears throat> Sure, he looks like a Power Rangers villain at the moment, but there's been no CGI laid yeah, on top no, of that. Wait till the color, wait till the color you know? correction yeah. hits and everything else. And even if he does end up looking that way through the whole film, I have no doubt that Brian Singer is going to make me feel Apocalypse. You know, mm. and Brian Singer is one of the few people to adapt Stephen King well. So well, he's, he's part that, of that's a, a short club, list. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> very short, a very short list. Let, let's not. Yeah. I mean, Brian Singer hit the 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 scene. Big time mm. with, um, and it's funny because this is going to segue into our film review probably. Yeah. Uh, but he hit the big time with Usual Suspects. Yeah. And I mean, Usual Suspects was a, a, a miraculous film yeah. for a first time director mm. to come along and you just go, wow, what the hell? What's this? You know? And I mean, even App Pupil, which a lot of people bag on, mm. I actually really, really? liked I really yeah. liked App yeah, Pupil. Yeah, great film. Yeah. And, and even, even better novella, though. Yeah, and that sounds really wanky. I, mean, I said that very wanky. It's an yeah. even better story. <laughs> novella, novella. <laughs> and I, I mean, and mm. I remember when I remember, yes. <laughs> I remember when King. when Valkyrie came out, and a lot of people actually said, "Oh, you know, Tom Cruise." But Valkyrie's a really good film. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. actually a really also, also written by Christopher McQuarrie. Yeah. I was just well, going to say, Christopher McQuarrie yeah. wrote a bunch of his early stuff, and mm-hmm. we will come to the film review in just one second. But of course. Mission Impossible Rogue Nation is directed by Christopher mm-hmm. McQuarrie and mm-hmm. written by Christopher McQuarrie. So it's actually, and it's only his second film, I think? Third. As, third film as a director. I've been a big fan of him for a long time. A big and fan I, of him as a writer. I also got to, like this is not a brag, but I, I did get to interview Christopher McQuarrie for when Jack Reacher came out. Oh, right. awesome. And, um, and, so I, and I loved Jack Reacher, so I've been, I've been on board with Christopher McQuarrie for a long time because right. of that. It's not meant to be a brag, it's just sort of meant to be like, when I met him, he was so like, passionate and eloquent and really nice and and friendly and and he knew movies and cared about movies and so ever since then it's kind of and that passion is what you really want isn't it Mm. yeah exactly because i mean i mean just to pick an example out of the air michael bay 
does not feel passionate about his films. Yeah, yeah. Like you watch him in interview, and he he's there. He's phoning it in yeah. every time. Mm. Yeah, Michael so Bay. Michael Bay is, like, is a funny yeah. one as well because Michael Bay's Apparently first he, couple he of films were really good. The Rock was really good. The Rock. I really the liked The Island. Boy, the first Bad Boys. Yeah. I like Armageddon. Bay I really too. liked. Yeah. And then something happened, and I think it's he made a Transformers film, which I quite liked, and then. Just got stuck in that world. But see, this is never left it. He should have left it a long time ago. Another thing that I I think about a lot too, where it's like, if they make a bad movie, then do we start to pan them as filmmakers? It's kind of like filmmakers should get a pass a lot of the time. Well, one of the interesting because the next one could be really good. Let's not forget that Sam Raimi made Crime Wave. Steven Spielberg made 1941, and Martin Martin Scorsese made. Like it or hate it, yeah. because let's face it, it's it's a personal choice. But he made New York, New York, yeah. which yeah. was not a financial successfully yeah. film. <laughs> and you sit there and look at it and go, yeah. every filmmaker ha- and yeah. George Lucas, who a lot of people bag out, George Lucas yeah. directed the hell out of American I can't, Graffiti, I can't stand and he directed people, the hell out of the first Star Wars. Bag George Lucas. I can't but, stand. I hate it. But he's not necessarily the world. You know how people hate director. hearing the word the word moist. I love you moist. Know, like, so that's the way I feel about it. whenever someone goes, oh, George Lucas. Like, I feel like going, fuck you. Like, fuck you and get out of my life. Like, so, but this you, is do you know what George Lucas gave the world? Fuck you. Like, Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> okay, we are going to- I, I, I just want to bring out one thing. I just okay. wanted to say like that the, me, for example, I, I go to the movies twice a week. It's a regular occurrence for me to not have a movie out to see. Like I see everything. You know, and I see movies multiple times and it's like, I really love movies and you guys are the same. It's like, there's no shortage of movies. Mm. Like, you know, there's there always, isn't something new at the cinema. There's, something there's always something we can catch ago, up on. You know, yeah. so it's, it feels bad for me to complain. Yeah. You know, um, but that's why I hate it when people. You, mm. George Lucas, look, George Lucas may not be the finest director in the world, but he has had his moments, and that's the most important part. Once again, yeah. there's something to love a in every thousand years from now. The, his name will still be used, of course. talked about, and he is. Let's face it, even as not a director, but as a producer, the man is responsible for bringing us a great deal to cinema, and more importantly, as the owner of THX Audio, Skywalker Sound, uh, Industrial Light and Magic. You can't take it away from Lucas me. Games. No. This man is a businessman extraordinaire. So just. Just quickly, to just quickly come George. back to what you said before. Uh, yeah, the critics... Jurassic World, I think, is an excellent example. The critics didn't like Jurassic World. Mm. Love Jurassic World. But it's so much fun. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's what it comes down to. As a moviegoer and a, and, and a fan of movies, you know, you're looking at that and going, okay, look, there are gigantic plot holes. And I think we're going to feel a similar thing, or at least I did, with Mission Impossible. They're Huge plot holes in this film, but it was so much fun. And yeah. that's where we come down to with our film reviews. Jamie's actually relatively new to Geek, actually, but you've listened to a lot of Geek, actually. Dave and I review films on the sense of how did it make you feel? Did mm. you have fun? Did you enjoy it? Is it you know is it fun? We're not critics, and let's be very clear. Like there's like, there's we're I've, not critics. We're been, reviewers. Uh, actually, something I've been wanting to talk to you about, actually. I've been reading Judd Apatow's book, yep. um, Sick in the Head, which is a great book, just filled of interviews he's done with mm-hmm. famous comedians. It's a good name, too. It's Apatow. Great Apatow. Name. I thought he meant sick in the head. Sick in the head's a great name too. But he has this interview with um uh, about knocked up with um Seth Rogen. Yep. And uh, and that's like the conversation is like, well, why didn't they talk more about abortion in that movie? And why wasn't that part of the movie? And it's such a big problem that you know abortion is not talked about much. And and Apatow's response is, but then we wouldn't have had a movie, and it exactly. wouldn't have been funny. Mm-hmm. So the people complaining about this are people that A, don't understand comedy or B, don't really get how movies work. Well, this is exactly what we talked about two weeks ago when we came back after after the controversial Mm. episodes where we talked about other things. We came back and remember when we realigned ourselves and we said the most important thing is not everything has to be an issue. 
Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's like not everything is yeah. an issue. Sometimes why, why, it can just be why, fun. Why, does, why doesn't Bryce Dallas Howard change her shoes and put heels, get her because heels off? Because she didn't. Because she didn't. And may, <laughs> maybe there wouldn't have been a movie. Yeah. Coming from the background yeah. of, of being an English teacher uh, in a past life, yes, of course you can make something of it and discuss it and deconstruct it mm. and, and go to those extremes, but it doesn't mean you have to. And you certainly if you do that to absolutely everything you watch, you're not going to get a great little amount of joy out, yeah. of, out of film. Hmm. Um, because I, there are I, flaws. I, I've, yeah. I've, I've actually felt for a long time because I actually used to go to a lot of media screenings. We were on every list. I'm not on all the lists anymore and I actually tend to kind of steer away from the media screens. Mm. I actually prefer seeing films with a paying audience because there is a certain appreciation of a paying audience that there isn't with mm. media screenings. There's, so there's a certain level of entitlement to media screenings. Well, again, coming from coming from yeah. having been gone to the Valhalla when I was a kid, as I was saying, you know, you'd go to a screening of Princess Bride and uh, they'd say the only joy she found was in her daily ride and someone in the audience would laugh and then everyone would pick off yeah, on it. correct. You know, or you'd go to the the midnight Rocky Horror oh. and, you know, it's it's all audience participation and, and the audience is part of the film. Uh, you're talking to a man who was one of the Blues Brothers from Valhalla <laughs> Friday Night Blues Brothers. And yeah. I, I saw the film... Probably about 40-something times, and I used to dress up as Jake. So, yeah, yeah. we used to get up on stage and dance and everything else. So, it's yeah. awesome. Um, and that's the thing. It's that love of film. Mm. It's that it's that joy. So when we go see a film now, Dave and I are always going with the principle of going, we're going to enjoy the film. Yeah. It may drop down to not being a satisfying film experience, but we go there with the intention yeah. to enjoy. Absolutely. And I think yeah. what happens, I think a lot of people go to films now with the intention to destroy. Yeah. And you, you can't, know? you can't win anymore. I mean, no. like you really can't because it's like mission impossible. Like put on your hat for your thinking hat for a second. It's mission impossible. It's mission. It's the fifth part of a series that has had never had character development. Mm. Tell me about Ethan Hunt. Yeah, you know, like um, he was married once. Maybe, maybe we should. Once. Maybe we should Actually, let's, go let's, to the trailer. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let, let's let's. I'm gonna. We're gonna wrap up. We're gonna wrap up uh, the discussion of Evil Dead because we didn't wrap it up. Evil with, Dead's cool. We're excited. With, with, yeah. we're, we're gonna wrap this up with one last clip, and then we're going straight into Mission Impossible. And I had to abbreviate this clip a little bit because there's lots of dead air in this because it's visual, and you've got to see the visual. Mm-hmm. So I'll just abbreviate it a little bit. But this is the last word on Army of Darkness. Ooh, wait a minute. The words. Right, right, right. Say the words. Clatu! Barata! Necktie. Nectar. Nickel. Noodle. It's an N word. It's definitely an N word. Definitely an N word. Latu, Miranda, Okay then. Okay then. <laughs> I always loved that in that scene. It was the third book that he picked up. It was the right book. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I also loved about that is those words that he's speaking. Trivia. Does everybody know where yes. they come from? Day the Day the Earth. Day the Which is just wonderful. Um, all right. Let's move into our review of Mission Impossible. We are already an hour and a half into the show. So. <laughs> all right. Mission Impossible written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Uh, it is starring Tom Cruise, Rebecca Ferguson, who I actually found it as Swedish. I thought she was English. Um, so we'll come back well, to she her. She plays in a an English woman. She does play an English woman. Uh, Jeremy Renner and basically everybody else uh, Simon Pegg, Ving uh, Rames, everybody else from all the past Mission Impossible films. 
And because we like to, IMDb summary, which is usually very wrong. (laughs) I haven't read this one, so let's have a look. Ethan and team take on their most impossible mission yet, uh, eradicating the Syndicate, an international rogue organization as highly skilled as they are, committed to destroying the IMF. Is it just destroying the IMF? I think the Syndicate's more about destroying everything, really. But, you know, anyway, they'll take it personally. Here's a little bit of the trailer. We may have to abridge this trailer. I can't remember how much dialogue there is. We're going to watch the whole thing, but you may not get it all. But the trailer link will be in our show notes. Here we go. Agent Brown, the IMF is not just a rogue organization. It is a disgraced one. Every one of the attacks you attributed to the syndicate, the IMF is there. It's a long story. I want you to choose your next words very carefully. Where is Hunt? I have no way of contacting him. He's deep cover. is real. They know who we are. They're trained to do what we do. An anti-IMF. Neither one of us is equipped to fight them alone. They want to bring down the syndicate? It's impossible. How do you know we can trust her? Desperate times. Desperate measures. Did you see Belton? You have to be that now! Are you okay to drive? A minute ago, you were dead. What are you talking about? This is not going to end well. This may very well be our last mission. Make it count. You have to get through 12 feet of concrete and 70,000 gallons of pressurized water. No oxygen tanks. (gasps) That doesn't sound impossible. All right. That trailer showed everything. <laughs> really did, didn't it? <laughs> uh, can we cancel this before it's just playing something else? There we go. All right. <laughs> so, what do we think, guys? Jamie, you're our guest of honor today. Uh, about the trailer or the movie? <laughs> <laughs> the movie, sir. The movie. The short film. <laughs> uh, look, as I said before, um, like Jurassic World, there was gaping plot holes. Plot holes you could drive a four-wheel drive, an entire bikey gang, a rogue mo- motorcyclist, and a BMW in a chase scene through. <laughs> and a jumbo jet. <laughs> <laughs> but my God, it was fun. It was just straight up start to finish a Mission Impossible action movie and there was absolutely no pretense of anything else. Mm. Um, the uh, There's so much I could really say about this film. There were silly moments. There were moments when things didn't make sense. But the whole time, you are engaged in it. You're you're totally immersed in the world of espionage and and just loving every second of of the action. I concur, Dave. Man, I I, I got like nothing but hyperbole. Really, <laughs> like I know that we we this year we had Mad Max, which was just like a masterful action movie, and now we have this, which is just as masterful in different ways, I think. Mm. Like, it, this movie was, like, set piece to set piece to set piece. Just remarkable. Yeah. Remarkable. That, like, that was the thing that like really... So well put together. Like, 
better put together than a lot of films are. Mm. And that's saying a lot for like the fifth film in a franchise. A lot of it is helped like, by the fact that it's, it's got a, a really, genius really tight director. script. Yeah. yeah, it's a really tight script. I mean, yeah. I mean Macquarie is a great writer, as yeah. we said he wrote. But just the way he moves camera, the way he uses like the the foreground elements, and the, the way it was edited, like it's yeah, it's, it's a it's stunning. a very tight film. And there's a lot of like I know, turned to, I turned to my friend Jeff like after that whole opera sequence, just like holy shit, <laughs> like like the amount of moving parts. It reminded me of that like um the the whole. Climax of Temple of Doom in, in the the mind yeah, yeah, cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like so he's juggling so many things and it's so clearly communicated and like like he's got what like as you were saying before, Jamie. It's like there's how many people are trying to sniper somebody else and and it's like it's in an opera of all places <laughs> and, and none and, of them and, using a gun. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 none of, he he goes through every part of that that whole opera building and yet you're never confused as to what's happening. But it's so. Oh, it's very clearly mapped out, and it's so it's so wonderful. Like um, this is the writer, as we said before, who gave us things like uh, Usual Suspects and Valkyrie and Way of the Gun. Way of the Gun. He's a, he is a tight writer, and he knows how to stage basically uh, a plot and put that plot together in such a way that it makes it a very interesting uh, movement uh, uh, of characters. I, I might disagree a little bit on that one. See, I think I think this is a series of set pieces. They're pretty badly connected, but oh, they're see, great. I, see, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't agree. No, either. I don't agree yeah. either. I think the script. I think the script is actually I think, really. I think I, the this. word I would use is barely connected, or or, <laughs> or, um, or connected enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, just I, connected enough. It, yeah. It's uh, yeah. there's a sense of continuity to the film, mm. but I think. Looking, you could pretty much just yeah. carve out individual scenes and yeah, watch them yeah. and love them. But yeah, that's, that's the same with any Mission Impossible. Uh, <laughs> yeah. every oh, absolutely, single, it every is single what, Mission Impossible film is well, about well, the mission. We're, talk, we're talking about a movie where it's like Tom Cruise finishes one stunt sequence and they're like, "Are you all right?" And then he's he's already on a motorcycle for the next one. Yeah. Every time, you know, like, <laughs> every time that Jeremy Renner and Tom Cruise are talking in the film, it feels like they've stopped acting. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just Jeremy Renner going, "Are, are you?" Sane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the answer is no. <laughs> I cannot confirm or deny. <laughs> written consent of the of the, yeah. of the uh, was it the director? No, the, the uh, um the oh yeah secretary. 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 What I actually one of the things I really loved about this film is the number of callbacks to who the actors are. Yeah, uh, you know, like there there were definite. Shots referencing the first Mission Impossible film, um, the even the villain in the horn rimmed glasses, mm. you know, like it's Ooh. it's so very the original one where he puts on the glasses. Can right? I actually yeah. say that yeah. the the the, the uh, I forget what his name is, the actual uh, actor who plays the villain oh, in this, Sean Harris, Sean Harris, because the what my one complaint over uh, Ghost Protocol, because I quite enjoyed Ghost Protocol, but my one major complaint was that the villain was actually really wet, and it was like <laughs> all, all the way through it, you kind of go. You weren't really sparked by the bad guy. You were more set up by the set pieces. Right? I have to con- confess that I, I missed Ghost Protocol entirely <laughs> and thought this was the fourth Mission Impossible. Film. <laughs> well, you know, ultimate- well, they're never real. They're like James Bond. They're never really kind of no. So exactly right. You can just kind of kind of yeah. dip in and out. I mean, yeah. I don't think there's even a mention of his wife in in this one. No, and there's only a, a very very passing mention of her in the last yeah. one. I so. guess Simon Pegg connects <laughs> them. In Away. He connects the last three. Yeah. He and wasn't Ving in the Rames. first two. So, yeah, so. I, I kept thinking Ving Rames was about to break out into I'm too old for this shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was so nice to have Ving Rames back. But anyway, what I was about to say Mr. about- Mr. I'm too old for this <laughs> shit. What I was about to say about Sean Harris was 
this as unlike the last film this he was creepy as shit man yeah. his, guy, his he, mouth only half moves yeah, it's really was, like bizarre watching him deliver lines because yeah. he's just sort of only half his mouth is moving but full volume is coming out mm, <laughs> mm. he was he was an intriguing uh, an intriguing bad I think it's guy like, who you like, want to know more it, about it's just like he's just like the bad version of Tom Cruise, pretty much, and then yeah. you yeah. have the female version of Tom Cruise. Yeah, it actually felt like I, that's. I, that's, I actually yeah. was really haunted by Goldeneye when I saw him as a villain because oh, he was right. very sort of uh, Trevelyan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about a little bit about Rebecca Ferguson. Now, when I went to see this, I was actually going, I don't know her at all. No, and no, then, I don't. And then I went to see her, and I'm, I'm sitting there going, okay, so she's some British actress we haven't heard of before. Dude, put yourself in my shoes. I didn't even know there was a female in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, There's always a female in the movie. But uh, she was terrific. And I think uh, we went to see this with Mario, mm-hmm. and Mario actually made the observation that that first shot you see her where she's walking up the stairs mm-hmm. in the dress, he went, that's Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yeah, oh, she's just built, you know. And she's got and, um, that look. Hasn't and yeah. one of the first shots is she pulls her cock out. Like I'm, like, like, <laughs> no, like, like and, and I don't mean literally, like, obviously, but like, you know, when she puts her leg up, and then you see the the barrel of the gun go yeah, down yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she was, yeah. I mean, she was tough as nails, but yeah. gorgeous. I she was actually, that. like, in all seriousness, like one of the best female characters that in, they've had in, in yeah. a mainstream movie in a oh, long time. She was fantastic. Yeah. I found out like, she's um, Swedish, not English, and she was the star of The White Queen, the miniseries that oh, won all the go. Emmys. So that's where she comes from. Uh, my mm-hmm. wife actually recently just watched The White Queen. Yeah, I went, oh, right. that's... You've seen the poster where she's holding the sword with the blood coming down her hand? Mm-hmm. That's her. And it's like she looks very different in this because mm-hmm. she's obviously... Modern age, you know, not yeah. period piece. But I thought she was fantastic. I she, was she was great. She kicked ass. I mean, she you yeah. completely believe that she can take down guys twice her size. Yeah, you know yeah. that would by no jumping doubt. onto their shoulders. Yeah, just just, just yeah. completely just flipped around people and just I mean, I'd love to know how long she had to train to do some of that yeah. stuff. You know, uh, I thought she was fantastic. I thought the, the the everybody talks about the opening stunt, the plane. <laughs> yeah, um, and the fact that you know Cruz was insane and actually did yeah hold onto the side of a plane. He's cabled. He's not going to fall. And off, he learned but- to hold his breath for six minutes. I'm still doubting that yeah. fact. <laughs> so it. so it, it's not a spoiler, uh, but there was one thing in the movie that I just, I lost it at. I was laughing myself silly. And it's when Simon Pegg is hostage and uh, <laughs> and he's got an earpiece in from the villain and the villain's telling him what to say and all of his lines are delivered as the villain. <laughs> it's like he's sitting there having a conversation with Tom Cruise, but every line is evil. Yeah. <laughs> he's got to differentiate himself. Yeah. It's great. Can I actually say that it was actually a really, really good choice on Macquarie's part to actually boost up Benji's character. Mm. Uh, so Benji- I love how they do it too, where it's kind of like... Um, I'm part of the team. I'm a field agent. I'm a field agent. <laughs> well, that's that's a throwback to Ghost Protocol because mm. in, in the first one he was basically just behind her. In the third yeah. film he was just basically behind a computer screen mm-hmm. doing everything by radio. In the second film he goes, "I've qualified to be a field agent," but he's really not in the whole thing. He's only really mm-hmm. in that big climactic scene at the end. And now basically we've got him as Hunt's sidekick, yeah, which introduce which interjects an immense amount of humor into mm-hmm. this film, which I think is a part of the enjoyment factor, yeah. is you've got him just... And a lot of it also comes from like the sheer terror on his face, yes. like thinking that, <laughs> that he, Simon Pegg, might die, not, not yeah. the character. <laughs> it's like, what have I signed on yeah. for? Yeah. <laughs> it, does, it does feel a little bit like Tom Cruise is the elephant in the room sometimes, yeah, yeah, that they're yeah. all acting around him. Yeah, they're all very careful. Yeah. <laughs> and I... I, I we might save that for spoilers. There's something I want to talk about, but we'll save it for spoilers at the very end mm-hmm. because there's actually one scene in particular which has 
just reactions in it that I just think are amazing. So we'll, yeah. co- we'll come back to that in spoilers. Overall, though, I think this is actually a fine entry into mm-hmm. the Mission it's Impossible It's wonderful. Scenes. It is a lot of fun. Action-packed. Mm. And if you're going to go see this, go see this on the biggest, loudest yeah, screen you've got. Biggest. Absolutely. Yeah. Just going to say... I just want to put a shout-out to the score by Joe Kramer because I've, I've been playing it a lot, actually, mm. in the last yeah. week since hearing it, and it's phenomenal. Yeah. Just and the, we're talking about a franchise that Michael Giacchino did two of them. Yeah, so what's really, what's really interesting about and the Danny scores, Elfman did the first. Danny Elfman, Danny Elfman did the first one, Hans Zimmer did the second. Mm. Michael, Giacchino, Michael Giacchino came in and did the third and fourth. Mm-hmm. What's really interesting is each one of these composers has composed their own incidental music, but then they've also reorchestrated uh, classic yeah. Mission Impossible stuff, the Lala Schifrin and this one, theme. This, and one, this one takes Turnadot. The opera? Yep. Yes. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, and it, I was, I was yeah. saying to David earlier, actually, I love the way that they've just worked Pacini in there. Yeah. 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 And it's all for out. And it's, yeah, mm. it's yeah. awesome. What's really interesting is that it was... Done. Done. <laughs> Michael G- uh, Giacchino was actually the first composer to actually bring more of the original Lalo Schifrin score in. So they've all used variations of the famous theme. Mm. But when we got uh, Mission Impossible 3, Giacchino actually brought in other incidental music and there's all these tracks in it where you think, I know that piece of music. There are incidental tracks from the the series. I never watched the series. Oh, man, series is a lot of fun. Uh, And Giacchino did that and so has this latest composer. There's actually whole tracks in here which are actually reorchestrations and reworks of Lalo Schifrin's incidental score, which is really nice because it actually gives him more of a flavor. Mm. And it's one thing I said when we came out of this movie. It's a lot more playful a movie too. So Absolutely. And it's actually one of the things that came out when I came out of this movie in particular, I said this is the most like the series mm. of all the films so far in the sense of that whole, even the, even that point where Benji is talking about how you have to go through it and we're seeing it as he's playing it, exactly, it out yeah. and, and, and where it goes wrong, where it goes right and so forth. That is straight from the series where they would actually walk through a yeah. mission before actually I love how self-aware it. the film is. Yes. You know, like it knows that it's a Mission Impossible movie. It's fantastic stuff. This is a great film. I enjoyed it a lot. And we usually review films in this in this show by saying, would you recommend it to people? And I highly recommend it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, give yeah. this, I give this a high recommendation. Go and have some fun. Hey, can I also ask you guys, who knows what evil lurks in the heart of the CIA? <laughs> <laughs> nice pull. Alec Baldwin, by the way, we should actually talk about him as well. Alec Baldwin. He was, actually, was great. He was really good. And, and he's never been great before. <laughs> I, I, got, I got the impression they only put him in here just because of the to whole reference the whole Jack Ryan. A little like, bit, yeah, because yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of the whole yeah. Hunt for an October thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, look, I'm not a huge Alec Baldwin fan. This I think is definitely the most work. spy of all of them. Yes. And, yeah. And the most fun. Yeah. Like it, it never takes itself seriously like at all. It knows exactly what it is and what it's doing. I think there's always a vague sense whenever I watch a Mission Impossible film where I go, okay, that was a great Mission Impossible film. They should end it now. After this one, I go, I want the next one. Yeah, I do. Oh, oh, yeah. and, and this, this team. This is like Fast and the Furious, but better. Yeah. It's like, this should go on to be like the Fast and the Furious series. Oh, yeah. It could go on forever at yeah. this point. Jeremy Renner, like... Just so stellar compared with uh, Age of Ultron as well. Like he he lifted his game so mm. much for this film and had just hit all the comic beats. You know, you didn't really. see this, you didn't see uh, Ghost Protocol, which is where he was introduced yeah. into the team, and that was actually an interesting storyline as well with them mm. not trusting him and stuff yeah. like that. And so now it's it's fun think, to see that he's from, part of I think the team. From memory, now. that was supposed to be they were supposed to hand off Mission Impossible to him because there was Tom. There Cruise was talk about Tom Cruise walking away from it because yeah. he was getting too old and blah blah blah. And then obviously that's gone yeah. by the wayside. And there are moments. 
moments in this film where it shows that the Tom Cruise is aging. Yeah, yeah as but well. he's aging well. Yeah. But I think I think like because there's the whole speculation of Tom Cruise leaving Scientology. Hmm. Like, yeah, um, oh, well, that's that we haven't heard any more about that at no, this point. Yeah. Though it's a little bit weird. Yeah, um, but keeping but Scientology like, out of it for the moment. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, I know how to keep that out of it. But like the kind of thing is what I what I know about Scientology. Like that could age you quite a lot. Well, that's possible. Uh, we will actually come to a conclusion because I think we want to have spoilers. We want to be able yeah, to talk freely sure. about this. So what we'll do is we'll bring the show to an end and as we have been doing lately with spoilers, after the final music, we're going to come back for another five minutes or ten minutes to just talk about a few of our favorite spoilery moments. So mm-hmm. If you don't want to hear spoilers, just once the music finishes playing out, just hit stop and you can come back to us later. You won't miss anything other than spoilers. Uh, but I think as far as a show goes, complete show, I think that feels like the end of a show. Um, I, I think uh, I think Bruce Campbell actually has mm-hmm. one last thing to tell us, though. Don't touch that, please. Your primitive intellect wouldn't understand alloys and compositions and things with molecular structures in the... What a dick. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, if you want to give us your feedback, if you agree or disagree with anything that we've had to say today, you can send your feedback to feedback at geekactually.com. If you want to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash geekactually, and we've got those competitions running as well. You can find us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash geekactually, or me personally uh, at David McVeigh. Dave, where can they find you? Uh, Twitter at Dave Longer. And anywhere else? No. No? Okay. <laughs> damn, good, damn Good Cup's actually going. Oh, really? Uh, oh, really? I'm, I'm getting it down in two weeks. Oh, why? Yeah. Why? Why? What happened? I'm going to replace it with um with a, a website for my own portfolio creative stuff. Nice. Good stuff. Jamie Lawrence, where can people find more of you? Uh, at Gigi Hurstville on, uh, on Twitter or Facebook. Search for Good Games Hurstville and I'm posting in there on daily basis and as a hint he'll probably be on next week too <laughs> so if he just, chooses to accept if he chooses to accept this mission <laughs> all right so we're gonna get out of here thank you guys for joining me uh bye-bye we spoiler free people uh, we will <laughs> bye-bye spoiler free people normally we would end the show with the geek actually theme which is what we normally do but this is mission impossible <laughs> and i thought what we need right now is, is a little bit james bond fan. is a little bit of <laughs> danny elfman's <laughs> reworking so this is danny elfman reorchestrating of the Mission Impossible theme and we'll all see you next week. So for those who have stuck around and actually want to hear a few spoilers on this film, all right, I just want to talk about one scene in particular that really got my attention. I love the scene in uh, in Rogue Nation where the uh, whole British Prime Minister sequence. Uh, yeah. the, re- the reason why I want to talk about it is it's, it's, it is the look it is the look on Alec Baldwin's face after all he's been yeah. through and they're pulling masks off and the look on Alec Baldwin's like what the fuck is going yeah. on? <laughs> I know. But that, oh. See that scene where. Where Jeremy Renner and Tom Cruise just magically know everything that the head of British <laughs> intelligence does. <laughs> but that's because they're right. IMF. And, and you know what? Actually, the thing that I, another thing that I love about this film is early on, the CIA are just like, 
the syndicate doesn't exist. Don't be stupid. Yeah. <laughs> British intelligence not only knows all about the syndicate, they accidentally created the whole thing. <laughs> In every single film, British intelligence is better than American intelligence. It's great. <laughs> well, that's because I've got James Bond working for them. So, I think we need a James Bond, Ethan Hunt crossover film. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. We, we need Ilsa to come back. I think that's that's all we need. All we need yeah. is Ilsa to come back. Ah, oh, man. Yeah, um, she was good. Rebecca Ferguson, she is a find. If this girl doesn't become a star in the next five years, mm. I don't know what. There's no justice in the world, yeah. you know. So, look, two things that I've got to talk about. <laughs> spoiler, spoiler sections. When in the opera scene, mm-hmm. at the start of the opera scene, you see the instruments for the orchestra being checked in and investigated for yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. to see what they are, and there's this close up on a bassoon. And when when I saw it. I turned to Luke, who was with me, and said, is that really going to be a bassoon gun? <laughs> and he said, no, it's going to be a bassoonka. <laughs> and and when you, well, Dave, when you're talking about loving that opera sequence, just the fact that no one, none of the snipers, of the three snipers, yeah. has a gun that's actually a gun. They're all made of something <laughs> yeah, else. Isn't it awesome? And when, the, when the guy just walks in there and unloads his nightstick and turns yeah. it into a gun. Because <laughs> they're like, they're an orchestra of death. <laughs> <laughs> so so hilarious. I was so enthralled by that sequence, man. Oh. Yeah, but no. I I want I want to go and see it again so badly just for that twenty minutes. Hey, there's a studio hey, phone the, ringing, it, and it sounds like the fame for Mission Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> the phone's ringing. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> and um, and I'm still dying to see it again because remember when the the car reverses over the the ravine? Yeah, yeah, and it crashes. Oh, it goes like fifty thousand times yeah, around, like, around, around. In my for some reason in my head, I heard it as like the smash sound. Oh, that's like, what you were yeah. saying yeah, that yeah. before. Yeah. He, he thought he heard the theme in the smashing. Yeah, I thought oh, I heard right, it. Yeah, as, yeah, uh, I can see that. Look, and I'm dying to go see it again to see if I was just insane or. Honestly, look, that chase scene as well was just, why did Tom Cruise decide to just randomly crash his car? Was it to try and get himself killed? (laughs) (laughs) But the the thing that- That was hilarious too when they all go down the stairs. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I don't know. I I loved, as I said, I loved the film, but it was not the smartest spy movie I've ever seen. (laughs) That's that's Tinker Tail's soldier spy. The ending sequence, uh, apparently London- Deserted except for carloads of villains. Yeah, um, of course. And, and, Nobody actually lives there. You didn't know that. And, and the fact that <laughs> the fact that their big Scooby Doo trap at the end like, revolves around Ethan letting somebody oh. else shoot glass so yeah. he can jump through it. But that was like the most badass thing in the whole movie was where where he just stared down. Oh, the, was, the villain through the glass. And yeah, the sm- yeah, yeah. Oh, it was visually so, just so striking. Oh, visually so, it was yeah. great. It the was, idea yeah. of the, him in the glass box and the steam, the smoke yeah. coming up, and him hitting the glass, looking at Ethan. And, oh, you know, I loved it, but yeah, my goodness, it was Scooby Doo. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the rolling him into a truck like the end of the Ark of the Covenant yeah, yeah, going yeah, away. Yeah. You know, I love how like, he kicked it down. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, it's just like the iconography of it all, like the way that he kicks it down and it it falls down to reveal Ethan standing there, and when it falls. Oh, like it actually so falls well down to the tune yeah. of the Mission yeah. Impossible thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the next time I'm going to go watch it, I'm just going to bring the headphones and just listen <laughs> to the theme the whole way. <laughs> the, great thing, the great thing Luke pointed out to me at the end there, right at the end, Ilsa gets into the car and drives yeah. off. Um, Simon Pegg and, uh, and Ving Rhames, both wearing police uniforms, get into the police car and drive off. 
where does Tom Cruise go at the end of that movie? <laughs> <laughs> he just stands there, stands there he's looking just like that. He's standing there yeah. in the car park now, just waiting for the next movie to yeah. start. Yeah. <laughs> the next movie will start at that point. Oh, they could have done <laughs> the final reveal where he pulls off the mask and it's Michelle Monaghan underneath the whole <laughs> 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 They bring back the wife. <laughs> so my question is- oh, How do, quaint that movie looks now in, in retrospect. Are we speculating at this point whether he's still married or not? <laughs> I think what's- what Depends on who I writes think, the script the, for the, the next one. I think in the end, spoils for Mission Impossible 4. Mm. I think in the end of that, it's like- um, he, he goes to see his wife from afar. To he make does, sure yeah. Him and Ving Rhames are looking yeah. at her at that cafe. And she's, so it's kind of like he's accepted that he's no longer... Because he faked his death or she faked yeah, her death. I, or I, I, I don't remember. I love figure that all out. I, love I, think Ving, at, I think at this point... Sorry, Jamie. That's right. Yeah. I love Ving Rhames. I think he's great. Yeah. Mm. But the easily the funniest thing in the film had yeah. to be where they run off away from Ilsa and it's like... Ving, take care of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he can't even walk. <laughs> no, the best moment was Dave pointed out when he goes, if you hurt my boy. Mm. <laughs> oh, boy. I think this whole movie's just been about, like, let's bring it back to basics. Yeah, it's yeah, like, it like, really was. Who cares if he's got a wife or not? We just want to see him do an impossible mission. How long will it take you? I'm already done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They played with time so, very yeah. well, actually. That whole set your watch. It's Ethan Hawke's last day. <laughs> Ethan Hunt's last day as a free man six months later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that whole sequence, though, with the soldiers breaking into the room and he's in a different country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Uh. He is uh, he is Ethan Hunt. You're never going to be able to track. I think him. very very clever film. The only way to go is up now, I guess. I mean, into space. Like, <laughs> like, like how does he top the stunt though? Well, he's hung off the side of the tallest building in the world. He's, he's now hung off the side of an airplane. So we've done heights. Maybe it's time to go lows. Yeah, no, like- he did. He went underwater. Well, not deep enough. We'll put him yeah. in the Marinaris Trench. Oh, just yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, Abyss 2. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send him down yeah. there. I, I still, I'm still going to stick to what I said before the show where I think he just needs to start endangering other people's lives now <laughs> beside his own. Like that, that'll top. What, what, Simon Pegg doesn't count. <laughs> no, I mean like civilians, <laughs> extras. Yeah. No, we're talking about the real people, not the characters. <laughs> <laughs> I think he should try and um, double barrel roll a helicopter or something. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that'll yeah, do yeah. I thought, does can he fly? Maybe he should learn to fly a plane and then actually fly oh, a plane. In the next what part. about bungee <laughs> jumping without being attached to the bungee cord? <laughs> what what about if he can hold then. on to it? If you're going to go helicopters, what if he's hanging onto the blade? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to he's got to time his release so that he can, Benji he can be let go the of helicopter. The... <laughs> <laughs> what the helicopter? Oh, I thought you meant the. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. I'm still going to go with my pitch, which is that he's in he's in. He's inside a suitcase, and, and in, the, in, in another suitcase is a parachute, and both suitcases fall out of a plane. <laughs> dun, dun, I love, dun, I love, dun, I love your world where you can fit Tom Cruise into a suitcase. <laughs> a big suitcase. Yes. How cool! Would it, it's oh, it's like it's because it's like a Houdini stunt, but happening while falling from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, <laughs> oh, that's, that, that's the next one. Mission Impossible, where he has to become a magician. <laughs> Mission Impossible versus David yeah, Copperfield. Yeah. It's the IMF, the, the, the international magician. <laughs> Oh, I think right. on I that think, note I was the right I, thing to I, say. On that note, I think, we should, I think we should sign off. Goodbye, Geek World. <laughs> Goodbye, Geek World. We'll see you all next week. Uh, next week, for those who are still listening, uh, Fantastic Four. Yes. So we'll see how we go. All right. Bye, all. <laughs>